What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Cooldown Time. My name's Marco. I'm your graphically outdated host. Joining me once again is the one and only technical mess of the show, Pablo. Pablo, we're here, man. The direct is done. Xbox has officially shown us what they have in store uh, for 2024. Um, and we're going to be talking about a lot of that uh, in this episode. But before we get to all that good stuff, how are you? Yeah. Thanks for asking, good sir. Um, no, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, uh, I'm waiting for uh, Like a Dragon to drop next week, so I'm kind of in between games still, but enjoying some of the games I'm playing. I'll talk about that a little later. Uh, and excited to see what Xbox has uh, as the year progresses. We saw a lot of good things on there, and uh, I'm kind of curious. Uh, I'm curious about our thoughts as once we let everything settle, how we actually feel, because I... I We'll get into it. We'll get into it. But yes, yeah. I'm doing great, Marco. Life is wonderful. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, how about you, man? How you doing? How do you How do you ruin every intro? How do you do that every time? Yeah, some call it ruin. Some call it spice it up. You know, uh, give it a little life. Okay. <laughs> no one says life like that either. <laughs> All right. Um, I said listen, it with the Y. You did. You did that. Uh, yeah, man. It's uh, it's been it's been a crazy week for me, work wise. I haven't had as much time to invest in games as I want wanted to uh had a work summit where everybody flew out here and everybody had to talk business and i had to hear all the corny business terminology that everybody uses uh, uh, they call you always, a family yeah oh family one uh, big team uh, well, that's what we are now we're one big team um oh yes, to yes we all have to drive revenue and drive conversion and drive and drive and drive i love so it. much driving yeah it's a lot it's of like driving we going work on. for uber yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm doing well, uh, ready to kind of get back into gaming mode again. And uh, needless to say, uh, this past week gave us a lot of things to talk about. So, Pablo, we, we might as well just go ahead and get right into the, the thick of it here. And let's start with the segment dedicated to the games we've been playing since our listeners last heard from us. And that's called Loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, bro. So we have a... Uh, a bit of a leaner list of, of, of games on our list, unless you've got some some secrets uh, you're willing to share here. But uh, I, uh, I I only have one game on my list, so I'll go ahead and go first here. But it is uh, a new release, sort of. It is uh, The Last of Us Part Two Remastered, uh, which mm. recently came out on PlayStation 5. Now it officially has a native PS5 version. Um, and I've been putting some time into it now that it's out and, uh, I did the upgrade path since I already had the PS4 version. So I spent an extra 10 bucks, uh, to kind of see how this sort of stacks up and in, in comparison to the PS4 original and also compare it to, uh, the last of us part one remake that came out, uh, back in 2022. Um, I would say overall, um, the, the enhancements to the game are very, very minimal. It's not a mm. transformative night and day type of difference between the PS4 version because in particular, the PS4 version had an upgrade for PS5 that brought it up to 60 frames per second. So it was already kind of in really good shape anyway. It so, was, yeah. 
in a lot of ways, this uh, this PS5 native version um, really doesn't seem super, super necessary. But it does enhance a couple of things. It does, you know, increase fidelity. It does have, um, you know, if you have a VRR capable TV or monitor, you can uh, unlock the frame rate and run the game at 80 or 90 frames per second. So there are some perks that come along with it. Obviously, they, they make good use of the DualSense controller uh, and things like that to kind of bring it up oh, to true. speed. So Didn't it, think about that. Yeah, and it does it does enhance the experience a good bit. Um, but it, it is really not going to make you go, wow, that looks way better than I remembered. It's kind of like one of those things where it's a remaster that makes you, it brings the game up to speed with the way the game looks in your mind, basically. Right, right, right. right. If I were to go back and play the PS4 version now, I'm sure I would see more warts and more pop-in and more things like that because this version of the game does improve on those little things. Um, so I, I think if if you're somebody who really has an eye for like draw distances and texture pop-in and overall like clarity and fidelity of, of image, um, I think this this remaster is going to check those boxes for you quite well. But if you're looking for something that totally transforms the experience from what you remember from the PS4 or PS4 Pro version, or even the patched PS4 version on PS5, this is all starting to sound so complicated. But (laughs) uh, if you're expecting something that transformative, you're really not going to get it here. But for me, 10 bucks, I get a chance to relive the story again. I get a chance to kind of revisit all the characters and see if this game deserves to be higher or lower in my all-time list. Uh, you know, so for that reason, I'm I'm really eager to to, to relive it all again. Uh, and I've been having just as much of a blast as I did the first time around, if not more. Now that a lot of the shock value of what happens narratively is kind of out of my system. Yeah. But I will say, I got to that moment again, and it still screwed me up again. <laughs> So, oh yeah, it's it's a tough moment. Yeah, it is. It's very much a timeless game, uh, and, and it's it's crazy that even though you know what's coming, it still does something to you yeah. physically, almost. Right? Like I felt, I, I felt angry, and I felt you know all these different swirling feelings going through my mind when I saw what was going on. I'm like, oh god, yeah. I remember how much this sucked to see, you know. But yeah. it just it's just a testament to the game's writing, and a lot of that still comes through just as well as it always had. So yeah. Yeah, I started. Um, I started this game last year, right before the rumors about the remaster. So I did stop playing it, but I had I had reached that that point. I have a question for you, based on everything you've seen. Like I've put about ten additional hours into the game last year. Should I restart it? Because I wanted to replay it anyway. Should I restart it? Is, is that is that worth it, or should I just pick up right where I left off with the with the with the upgraded uh, version? Well, I mean, you can import your save. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Should I just yeah. like what would you do? Yeah, uh, I just yeah, start, I don't. Yeah, start. Yeah, I don't think you need to start all the way over. If I'm if I'm you, I I think you you're you're probably good wherever you wherever you began. Um, you know, yeah. and and you'll you'll notice some differences, but I don't think you'll get anywhere in the game and go, man, I wish I started over and I could see this all even okay, cleaner. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna feel right, that right. Way. Yeah, right. Because I I'll just pick up because I wanted to replay it and I just stopped because of the remastered rumors. And I was like, I'll just wait to see what happens. And now mm-hmm. we're here, so uh, I'll finally get to uh, go through that game once again. Which it's a classic. I, I you yeah. know I, I I loved it when it came out, but I I think I've it's I've grown a little fonder uh, of it as as time has gone by. So can't wait to get into that. Did you try the other modes? I have not. No, I want to try the no return mode, which is the new mm-hmm. uh, roguelike mode. 
uh, I'm not a big fan of those types of games anyway, so yeah. that really wasn't the main draw for me. But I, I think once I finish the story again, uh, I will swing around and check it out and see if it's worthwhile. Uh, it sounds like people are pretty positive about it, though, which is kind of yeah. nice to see. Um, so I'm, I'm eager to test it when the time comes. But right now, I just kind of want to focus on the story and kind of reliving those moments uh, first. But yeah, I mean, overall, yeah. I'd say it's a, it's a, it's a good pickup. It's for ten bucks. It's a, it's an easy decision for me. I think just the the small but nice enhancements to the the visuals and the way that it utilizes the dual sense and uh, obviously the addition of what you said the extra no return mode and a lot of the developer commentary and stuff like that if you really want to nerd out on how this game was made I think all those things really do come together to form a pretty good package uh, that I would say is worth your time if you're a fan but yeah um, that's all I got man that's all I got all right cool cool uh, so I'll get into the game that I'm playing. Uh, I'll preface this by saying I am playing uh, Hellblade, the first Hellblade game. Uh, okay. But I'll talk about that a little bit uh, in our in our check or hit points actually, uh, just to kind of you know, I'll give you my rundown of that game and, and how that's informing Hellblade two. But uh, the main game that I've that I've been playing is I I'm playing the full version of Prince of Persia: The Lost Crown. Uh, I. I am subscribed to uh, Ubisoft Plus, so they gave us access early on the 15th, so I've been playing it for quite a bit. Uh, and like, just quick rundown here. Uh, the I will say this. One of the things that kind of has caught me off guard is, in my head, I'm trying to remember a last time that I saw a big AAA Metroidvania kind of game because you know you have your hollow knights uh but I, even that doesn't quite feel like completely triple a uh but i'm talking about a, a, as a whole because well, the opening of this game kind of u- it uses this epic bombastic war-torn last landscape which showcases the cinematic uh parts of this game and that just shows so much money behind it. And that's a, it's a curious kind of thought process where, like, you really don't get those AAA experiences in the Metroidvania genre. Not really, but, no. no. Yeah, so it, it's, a, it's kind of like a, it's a niche thing, funny enough, that it's a AAA Metroidvania, which it sounds kind of contradicting, but it, there's just so much money behind this game, and you see it throughout. My thoughts from last week about the demo kind of still hold true. It's uh, it's fluid and responsive. Uh, control makes platforming a complete joy. It's deceptively deep uh, combat. Uh, at playing through the demo, you don't really see that, but once you start getting to the nitty gritty of the of the actual combat, there is so much to this combat there's uh there's juggling there's combos uh there's directional movement with your with your sword so like if you hit down on an enemy the enemy will go down and bounce up like they there's so much happening here with the combat that once you kind of start really getting into it there's so much you could do and it's and it's really fun to to kind of go through these enemies uh and 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 find different ways to use the environment to use your your skill set uh with combos so I, i really like that about it um i'm not a, I'm not a Metroidvania expert. Uh, admittedly, I, I didn't really enjoy Metroid Dread, uh, and Marco didn't either from last week's episode. <laughs> and I and I found it honestly pretty hard to get into Hollow Knight. But the fact that the combat is as engaging as it is, and the platforming is really clicking for me, uh, I really have kind of sidestepped the metroidvania parts of it like it's not really a thing that's in my head like i'm not thinking about this game as a metroidvania though it very much is a metroidvania i think 
what I would say here, it's a little bit sacrilegious to the fans of Metrovanias, but the genre, this this has a map that's been completely streamlined, and it makes you it makes it less feel less like oh I have to go over here I unlock this thing and I have to go it just feels like a three dimensional uh, open area in a two dimensional landscape where everything is marked you can buy a map and then the map tells you where all the main main locations are so all that feels very very cool and it has that memory shard kind of. Uh, uh, the memory shard mechanic where if you did remember something or you did see something that you couldn't access and you want to go back to it, just drop a memory shard and you can just always go back to that point. So it, it really streamlines the entire Metroidvania aspect of the game, which I think really works in its favor, at least for to get people like me to really enjoy it. Um, and, and lastly, I'll say what really continues to surprise me about this game is the narrative of The Lost Crown. It doesn't feel like a throwaway thing. It might not be like expertly written, but... It's where world building and like storylines are really, really interesting. The things they do with time is is also very interesting. Uh, and it's not just so like most static conversations like we saw on the demo. There are many very well done, like highly produced cutscenes throughout the game. Uh, and they're just these moments where you can power up your player and they, they give like this really cool, like an anime kind of look where freezes, black background, and like blue thunder or whatever, like all that stuff. There's a lot of those moments in this game that really kind of uh make it really stand out uh i i think the art style really works for me uh not all the models of the characters are are great but the enemy design and the variety of enemies are amazing boss design is absolutely dope as fuck i love these boss uh designs they're all really good and really interesting and all different and the performance of this game is absolutely amazing it runs at a steady pace 60 frames it's just it's beautiful it's a beautiful game to play and it just feels amazing but um, yeah, I mean, it's easy to kind of shit on Ubisoft because they do make derivative games, but you got to give it to them. They, they, they've they kind of revitalized this franchise in a way that feels modern, but also still feels old, you know? And that's a very hard thing to do because mm-hmm. it, a lot of times you'll get like the Prince of Persia remakes, which were completely different games, very good games, but completely different. This is going back to the lineage of the 1989 Prince of Persia game, and it does it like so perfectly and beautifully i am absolutely enamored with this game and i can't wait to finish it i'm i'm it's like a 20 hour game i'm like 15 16 hours in and i'm really enjoying uh, a lot of it so i'm definitely going to be finishing it uh and I, if you guys like metroidvanias but you also like the 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 celeste type platforming and 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 also like combat systems that are very intuitive and and very deep i think this is the game for you I don't think it's a game for you, though, Marco. I do I, I do see points in it where there's too much of it. The things that you love about a Metroidvania are super streamlined here, and you'll find very boring and not as interesting. So I, I think it was a good call on your part. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can try it down the road and, and, and end up liking it, but knowing you as, as the gamer, the things that will attract you to this game are kind of the things that are the least interesting about it. So, But yeah, that's where I'm at. Well, that's good, man. Sounds like you've been putting in some work on that, too. You're, you Sounds like you're about a couple hours away from rolling credits, huh? Yep, I'm really, really close, right. Uh, right. and I'm doing side a side quest and all that good stuff. Taking uh, taking screenshots, so I, I'm in it, man. Mm. I'm in this shit. Yeah, sounds like there's going to be some uh, nominees, uh, oh, in- including uh, this game and some awards. You thinking? It kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit like Hi-Fi Rush. Came out in January last year. It kind of. St- stuck around in the conversations the game of the year and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i think this game for me can depending on how the year goes but i think this year yeah. for me can this game can sneak into my top 10 easily honestly nice 
Love yeah. to see it. Love to see it. Nice comeback for Prince of Persia, gotta say. Oh, I'm absolutely. Glad, I'm glad yeah. to see that it is actually as good as they said it was. So mm-hmm. good to hear. All right, man. Well, uh, look, uh, that's going to do it for loadouts this week. Um, we are going to get right into the new segment of the show that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right. Well, as we all know, uh, the developer direct from good old Xbox is now in the books, and it's time to talk about it. We've had some time to kind of sit back and marinate with uh, you know, what we saw at the event, and uh, we're going to unpack this thing, Pablo. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of run through everything we saw at the, the, at the direct, and we're going to talk through mm-hmm. uh, some of the things we uh, noted about each game. And then uh, we're going to round it out by kind of giving our grades at the very end. Uh, it's, it's been... Very interesting, Pablo, to kind of see the online discourse about this direct. Um, it feels oh, yeah. like, uh, I don't know about you, but it feels like to me, uh, everybody that is an Xbox nut is in love with it. Everybody that is a PlayStation <laughs> fan thinks it's garbage. Uh, oh, I, I can't wow, find, shocker. I can't, I can't, find, can't find too much nuance anymore. Um, with with hey, some I'm exceptions. A, Marco, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent of getting uh, help for mental anguish. Uh, but I think these people have completely bypassed that. And I think they need Jesus or some oh. sort of divine intervention to come from the cosmos to rewrite their damn brain structure. Because I just don't get it. And that goes for both sides. Okay. For both sides here. Yeah. Yeah. You saying they need Jesus. First Baptist Direct? They, they need First Baptist Direct, man. They need T.D. Jakes in this bitch. Oh, no. Oh, no. Kirk uh, Franklin need to come and sing a little song and let, and let them... You know, revitalize their their, their their soul because my God, these guys are off the rocker, unhinged. Yeah, it's been bad. It's been bad. But you know, yeah. at this point, you gotta expect it. But it just never oh, ceases absolutely. to amaze me how people can warp such a simple event into something so toxic, radioactive. Toxic. Like what? What did? What did visions of mana do to anybody? <laughs> these poor little creatures. <laughs> <laughs> little mana never hurt nobody, man. And here they no, are. Just- no, no. I don't know, but we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I got some things to say about that, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pablo, you're going to kind of drive this thing for us, though. So yeah, why don't you, yeah. uh, we're going to follow as close to the, the sequential order of things as right. they were shown to us. We are going to, you know, avoid a couple of things in, in, in too much detail because some things weren't particularly interesting to us. But uh, you're going to be in the driver's seat here, Pablo. So I'm going to give the floor to you. Let's talk mm. about the first game on our list. What do we got here? Yeah, and uh, real quick, guys, it is important to note that we can be critical of things and, and still like them at the same time. Uh, like Marco said, there seems to not be a lot of nuance, but understand that there definitely is here. Oh, yeah. you, you can definitely be like little cr- critical of what the show might be and how what, end up ha- what ended up happening, but you can definitely still love some of the things that we saw. So let's get right into it here. The first game they showed was Avowed, and, and we'll start with, with what they've kind of broken down this game to be. And so they started by showing off Avowed's flexible combat system with dual-wielding wands, melee weapons, and shields that can uh, you can use in any kind of combination. Uh, they want to create the best combat style for your character and they let you kind of pick and choose a lot of these things uh, on the fly. Marco, what did you think about this specific uh, strategy? Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised that they kind of emphasized this as much as they did. Um, I I hate to immediately come out of the gate with a comparison to (laughs) Skyrim, but Skyrim already kind of did this, you know, so it felt a little bit like, yeah, I mean, I, I would have been surprised if you didn't do this. So yeah, um, yeah. It, it does. I will give it credit. 
for feeling somewhat snappy, especially the wand wielding stuff when they were dual wielding yeah. the wands. That looked pretty fun. Uh, you can kind of go fantasy Harry Potter style on this thing, which yeah, is kind of dope. That, that's probably the way I would play this game, honestly, because the sword and board combat looked pretty bad um, to the point where, you know, and I, I half jokingly said this to you offline, but I'm like, this doesn't look like much of an improvement over what Sea of Thieves does with sword combat. Yeah, it yeah. looked very, very rudimentary. So I, I guess I was a little bit let down on the combat side of things when they were showing this because it felt very like duh this should be here and what they were showing as they were talking about this like with the gameplay as they were fighting those little uh little goblin things Lizards. with the skull helmets or whatever yeah, yeah. um it, it didn't look really that great um the ai looked particularly bad um for they both enemies and the enemies and the companions looked really bad ai wise and that reminds me a lot of what happened with the outer worlds so a real big concern of mine is that yes you're giving us this you know, open-ended way of, you know, encounters and stuff like that. But if it's just to fight a bunch of dumb enemies, it's going to lose its luster. Um, so I'm very concerned about that. But yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that the, if they're talking it up, then there's got to be something here that just didn't showcase well. At least that's me being optimistic about it. Uh, I think that the ability to kind of have a wand on your left hand and a sword on your right hand and kind of that those do those different kind of combinations, I think it's super interesting. And I think that it could lend itself to be uh, something a little bit more than, than what uh, Skyrim might have offered. However, I can only talk about what they showed. And I agree, a lot of what they showed uh, seemed cool and con- cool in concept, but in execution, it just didn't look very good. Uh, there was no death animations for the lizards; they were just like dropping to the yeah. ground. Yeah, um, I noticed that too. Yeah, yeah. So I- I'll be honest; it, it, if I'm just being blunt, the, the combat looked bad to me. Uh, I just, yeah. you know, I- I'm trying to be generous here and, and not so harsh, but no, no, it- it's gonna it's gonna get there. So I might as well just say it outright now to to rip off the bandaid. It didn't look very good to me. Yeah, let, let, let's yeah, we can just go right off the rip because what we always do here is we we try to be nice and we end up ripping it to shreds by the end of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, so we can yeah. just bypass those niceties. Um, yeah. No, I yeah. So but I I I I'm not gonna quite go where bad but i i i see potential in it but it's true what they showed it's just it wasn't very appealing uh in that way and i i think my my whole thing with avowed is i feel like this is a game that'll probably play better and 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 feel better once you kind of get your hands on it rather than showcasing but we we're gonna see yeah um they did continue uh the game will be structured in regions instead of one open world similar to the outer worlds um do you think that's like an interesting I'm glad for Way that actually. It? Yeah, okay. I, I I like I always liked the region structure that they do. Yes, um, because I think it it lets everything feels a little bit more meticulously crafted instead of mm-hmm. very broad and sprawling open worlds that don't always feel interesting to explore sometimes. So I think they I think they do well with kind of giving you a region, kind of packing it with content within that region, and. Um, and, and really kind of creating interesting biomes, which it was another thing they kind of highlighted yeah. when they were showing different types of uh, environments that they have in the game. Um, I, I think that is one of their strengths, and I like that they still went to that well, even though I think some people might be a little put off that it's not this open, seamless experience. I think, I think they know how to kind of work that the right way. So I'm not super down on that part of the game at all. 
Yeah, and I think this kind of confirms what we've kind of been speculating, that this is going to be on par in terms of scope with the likes of the Outer Worlds. Right. Uh, I know early on they kind of talked up the game as this huge, massive kind of open world. They didn't specifically say open world, but they said our biggest game in terms of scope. And that may still be true, but it's not going to be that much bigger. Um, and I I do, I do agree with you. I like the, 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 the regions instead of the big open world because they can do different things within those regions and, and different enemy types so on i know elemental stuff is very like uh is a huge part of this as well so but yeah we'll, we'll see how how that all pans out once the game comes out but uh just like the past obsidian games player choice will be a part of the game with conversations that have consequences throughout your playthrough uh i mean that speaks to me as uh as a what obsidian fan how about you it it does it, it's it's typical obsidian i i think the problem that i had with the way that that was demonstrated in this um direct was that it didn't really come through in the best way um Not at all. i think that the the character dialogue sounded really awkward um it, it there was also some issues with like the way that characters were sort of emoting and their facial animations looked a little bit mechanical as well um, and I think that that just kind of made things a bit jarring in a way that looked really dated to me. Um, I don't doubt that the player choice is going to be there. It was just weird that they kind of said that. And then what they showed as an example of that was really nothing like that at all. They just kind of described, yeah. oh, or you can also fight that person. Well, I mean, I, I think now that we're in a post Baldur's Gate world, um, that's, not really super exciting to hear anymore, you know, like, so I think that this is kind of what I said, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago about like what Dragon Age is going to have to do to really be special now, because they're coming in in a post Baldur's Gate world now too. And you can't like the old conventions of, oh, you can, you can either be that person's friend or you can fight them, you know, like that's yeah, yeah, just yeah. not, that's not it anymore. And I, I feel like they still think that's really, really special with the way they talked it up. And it's just not that way now. So I'm a little concerned that they think more highly of what they're doing with player choice than what the game is actually going to give us. Um, and I, I would say as a, la as a last thing story-wise, I still have no indication of what's actually driving this story whatsoever. Um, and I think yeah. that's, that's kind of problematic at this point now. What is the premise of this game? What am I here to do? Um, I feel like I haven't really missed a bunch of information about this game because there hasn't been a lot to begin with. But... I would at least like to know by now what the objective is as, as my character. What am I here to achieve? Yeah. And that's not coming through at all. It's just like, look at this world. We have player choices. All right. But why? Why am I here? What is this about? Yeah. You know, the, the only thing that they've kind of talked about is that this is in the Pillars of Eternity uh, world. And so I guess that's supposed to mean uh, something to me. But it does not. Um, I... I, I, I don't understand what they showed here because of what you said they talked about consequences and when we were finally about to see the consequences they just said now when you go back to the to, to your home base people are going to treat you differently anyway like it just went i'm like wait i want <laughs> to see I mean. that yeah yeah i want to see the consequence like you, you talked to me about how this is going to change the perspective of the npcs and all that and you show none of that it's like okay well i guess i'll have to take your word for it um uh i guess it since the game is fall 2024, I guess I'm, I'm hoping that we see more uh, in terms of the narrative and maybe a little more, you know, maybe a little more polish 
come summertime here with a showcase or something like that. But yeah, as it stands, um, a lot of question marks here. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the biggest question mark of them all. Uh, and let's the visual fidelity here. Um, they did say that what they were striving for is rich, weird, and wonderful. Uh, and instead of a more ultra realistic style, which okay, cool, I get you. Um, but I'll go ahead and 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 kick it over to you, Marco. What what did you think about this game visually? Was it uh rich, weird, and wonderful for you? It was weird. Um, <laughs> I don't know about I don't know about rich or wonderful though. Um, quite Your frankly, was poor. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty broke. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I. I had been one of the people when we last saw Avowed that was like, pump the brakes, everybody. Let's let's give them time. They're yeah, going for something different. I applaud them for not just doing typical brown gray fantasy, you know, game number five million, right? Let's give them an opportunity to see what they can do different and what they can bring to the table in terms of flair and art style. But I gotta be honest, it's not coming together very well for me. Um, I think that the weirdness they're striving for really just amounts to looking cartoony and indistinct to me, um, if I'm being blunt. I think the overall fidelity of the game also looks very, very blurry and very dated as well. Um, I thought it was because it was the stream. You know, maybe it's just not looking crispy. So but, then, but then I saw the other games they showed later on, and I'm like, well, those look great. So there's something up with this game's visuals. I also noticed noticed a couple of hitches with uh, you know when they were you know showing us swooping shots of places it looked a little little janky in some spots. Um, the character models, dude, though they don't look or animate very well. Um, one of the characters I sent you a picture of them. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck is this? <laughs> it's it. And again, I understand Pillars of Eternity. They have unique races, and some of them are obviously going to have unique features uh, facially that you know are, are going to be very unique. But things just don't look good. And I I think that I'm I'm kind of past the point of putting a pin in it now and I'm just like yeah this game just visually is not very appealing and even the enemy designs are not they're almost not menacing enough you know it's like they're almost adorable <laughs> like those yeah, little true. those little dino goblin things or whatever, lizard goblins those things I like, don't kill them. look at look at you I want to pick you up and hold you and catch you in the air like a baby yeah <laughs> uh, you know so just I don't like know man it, th- there's there's a there it's clear that this art style is creating a disconnect with most people that are laying eyes on this game. And I, I think they need to kind of accept that. I obviously know that they're past the point of no return and they have to commit mm-hmm. to this now. But I, I really hope that by the time this game comes out, um, they can add a little bit more sauce to the visuals and the art style to kind of make things feel more cohesive. Because right now it just kind of feels like a color bomb went off and that's really all that's honestly carrying the game in terms of its own unique look and it's not looking great in the process so that's my that's my two cents though what about you yeah about to pick up a lizard and that bitch gonna go gotta love me (laughs) (laughs) yo um i don't i'm not gonna sit here and call obsidian liars but they showed a reveal trailer and every time you show a reveal, a reveal trailer, it's not always going to be uh, the final product, but it is supposed to be kind of a, 
this is what we're striving for, right? And once they they changed over to the new art style that we saw last year, I also was like, you know, let them do something different. I'm okay with this. But the yeah. more I see this, the more to me it feels like they're they they just they're just not good at this in, in terms of the visual fidelity, whether it's their engine, whether the team behind it, whether it's a small or big team. There's something about this that they haven't really got with the program in terms of making a game look really nice graphically and look graphics aren't the end-all be-all of everything but this game is 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 striving for very specific things but it just feels very mundane and very bland and though they're sitting here telling you rich wonderful they're using these these terms and it's like none of that is is coming through the weird is but no nothing else is coming through you know when you and and, and i guess I, I the the weird thing about this marco is that we seem to be in the minority because a lot of people are out here praising the art style and i don't know if that's copium as the as the fanboys well, love to say i have to um, say i think that is a, a factor to some to some extent yeah. yes and, and look i i, I I sit here and I, I'll say all this, and I'm one of the, Marco did not like Outer Worlds too much. I loved the Outer Worlds quite a bit. Um, all its warts and everything. I'm okay if this game comes out and it's just more like that, but the 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 Elder Scrolls version. I just don't know if Xbox is going to be okay with that. You know, like like in terms of Obsidian, this huge uh, uh, company that has has so many great games, particularly Fallout New Vegas and you know, this is what they're doing now. It's kind of stuck in the, stuck in the past a little bit, but you know. Yeah, I was I, gonna say something very similar to that. Actually, it feels like they Obsidian's aging right before my very eyes. That's what yeah. it feels like to me. Um, yeah, and I would also say it feels like an oversteer because they don't want to be too similar to the Elder Scrolls now that they're all kind of under the same roof now. It was yeah. like, well, we don't want to be too much like that, so let's let's try to be very unique. And I think they they overdid it with the unique to the point well, where it's it just isn't clicking for me anymore. Well, it's like a weird thing. They they did they they overdid it so much that now it just looks like a diet version of of the Elder Nailed Scrolls. It. It, it, yep. So it's it, it's it's not. It's not great in that department. It's not great. Again, it's great value at this point. Yeah, <laughs> it's facts. <laughs> now again, I I still kind of hold to 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 this, and I feel like this game is probably going to be better than what it's showcased. Like uh, I still, for now, have have uh, some trust in Obsidian, and I think that we're going to get to this game. And I, I think if you are a fan of the Outer Worlds, unfortunately for Marco, that's not the case. You're going to enjoy this experience, um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. I am going to, I'll declare this as a prediction. I don't think this game comes out in 2024. I, I think with the fall uh, window and with potentially Indiana Jones coming out later this year, I think that they have, uh, <laughs> sorry, my son is knocking on the door. <laughs> they uh, have uh, <laughs> the potential to, um, you know, slot Indiana Jones there and kind of push about out a little bit. Um, we'll see. I hope that doesn't happen, but it's totally, uh, I think it's a possibility, honestly. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think honestly to close, I'm, I lost a lot of faith in this game um, more than I was expecting to. I'm still going to be interested to play it. I'm not saying, oh, I'm not going to yeah. touch it now, but I think right now what I said a moment ago about the feeling of them aging before my very eyes, like I, I think that's really the, the, the main thing for me is, you know, I, I've had Obsidian on this pedestal for so long. And quite frankly, I think through the passage of time, I think they've been outclassed in, in, in quite a few ways. Oh, and I yeah. think this is going to be the first game we're probably going to get for them where we're going to start to 
kind of feel it now. It's going to be like, oh, yeah, this this kind of thing doesn't work anymore, guys. I'm sorry. You know, and I, I think this is probably going to be the last game of this type of format, like the Outer Worlds avowed format. And I think from here on, they're going to probably have to get to the drawing board after this and really figure out how to modernize what their definition of a first-person RPG is going to be moving forward. Because I think that even though their writing is good, that's just not going to be enough to carry them when their mechanics and when some of the visuals and uh, the way that they're literally designing this game is just kind of falling behind. Yeah, even the UI, is it's, it's all sort of falling behind the times now, and they need to make sure they, they put a lid on that before it's too late. So, But, you know, it's... It's it's a disappointment for me. I wasn't happy with the showing at all, but hopefully the final product will be worthwhile. But yeah, that's where I'm at. I hope so too. Yep. Yeah. All right. So uh, the show moved on to Senua Saga Hellblade Two. Um, this was an interesting one. Uh, they started off right off rip describing it as a shorter narrative led experience that will be seven to eight hours long, just like the first game. Uh, how do you feel about that, Marco? Oh my god, I was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed. I'm not going to lie. Um, this is probably the most frustrated that I was um, throughout the entire Direct, by far. Um, Hellblade 2 was my second or third most anticipated game of the year. And I think one of the things that really, really got me excited about this game is now that Ninja Theory is under Microsoft, you have more budget, you have more time, you have more mm-hmm. leeway to make something bigger and better than the first game. And we're just about going to be seven years of development time by the time this comes out. And for seven years to equate to what could potentially be a seven-hour game is absolutely absurd to me. That literally breaks down to one hour of gameplay per year. And I know yeah. that's not how development works. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm putting it in a different perspective here. I, I really feel like the budget and the leeway that Microsoft provided them seems to really have changed nothing about the scope and vision of the game, which contradicts even what they said this game is going to be, which I'll talk Absolutely. about later. They, yeah, um, you're talking about the, 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 they're the going to make the first game. Yes. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a big sticking point for me. It, it feels to me, and we'll talk more about you know, some of the finer points of the game here, but it feels to me that they got so wrapped up with the tech of this game that they forgot to make an actual game around it. Um, or they're just getting lost in cinematography to the point where they're forgetting that this game has to be a game and not just walk, observe set, uh, environments and walk some more and slow walk and do an environmental puzzle and pad the game out to a seven-hour, eight-hour runtime um, with, with minimal gameplay in there in terms of combat or whatever. So I'm, I'm very concerned that this is what this essentially amounted to because they never said anything like this until now. And it just sort of feels like the rug got pulled out from under me, to be honest. Yeah. So what about you, though? Yeah, I mean, look... Uh I agree with, with, with a lot of your points. Um, the thing is, I, I'm playing the first Hellblade right now, and I it, it just it's different from a lot of other games. It, it feels like this whole experience. And if that's what they want to do again, I'm okay with that. And and I, I, I do feel like them driving home the point that this game is only seven to eight hours. I don't mind the length. The, pr- the problem is, is what you said. 
is this has been in development for so long. This has been this is the first game ever announced for the Xbox Series X. This is something Xbox has gotten behind quite a bit. Have they've talked it up quite a bit and now suddenly they're trying to pretend like no no no, this game is just like a, a little short uh, narrative experience seven to eight hours don't worry about it you know pricing also shows that they take that so it's kind of like something changed and now they're trying to play it off as like yes no this was always the, this was always the, the the this was always the the thing we were doing and and we'll get into it later but that's not it because you you said something completely different and so again completely okay with it being seven eight hours and if it's just a continuation of the experience from the first hellblade i think that's a very good game i think that that's an experience that i definitely want to have it's just you told me all these things and and now and now you're telling me something else so automatically i have to feel a little bit concerned about the production of this game itself so we'll see where this leads but you know they did talk about some other features um specifically combat they said it's a new combat system uh, that allows Ninja T- Theory to tell a story through combat. What it, Read between the lines there, Marco. What do you think that means? I think what it means is that there's going to be combat spliced with cinematics in between. Like, you know, she's going to fight somebody. She's going to get knocked down. And mm-hmm. then there's going to be a cinematic in between that where she's kind of getting back up and her voices are telling her, stay down, you know, and, uh, well, you know all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what they mean by telling a story through combat. I think the thing that, that doesn't really compute with me is that they kind of did that in the first game already. Mm-hmm. So it it just feels like a continuation of what they're already doing. And I also don't know what constitutes new when they talk about right, the combat system. So it they didn't cause, say cause, just because when new, I'm watching, said, it looks the same. Yeah, because they didn't say just new. They said completely different from what we did in the first game. Is the direct quote? Okay, how? And I did did it, how? And it didn't look completely different. You know? No. Yeah, it looked the same. It looked like there was the same you know dodging mechanics and same kind of slashing going on. A little bit more flair to it, which I which I like. Um, and yeah. the extra visual fidelity does you know. Uh, bolster that um, combat a bit more and make it look more meaningful and impactful and you know the expressions on people's faces like that's really cool but I would have loved to have known what the combat system is like if it's this if it's this selling point that they said it was I I, yeah. I felt like it was a bit hot of hot air to be honest with you yeah I, I agree the whole telling a story through combat thing that just seems to me like there's actually going to be less combat and more times where they take control away from you like two slashes and it becomes a thing Mm. You know, a, a thing where they take uh, the control away from the player, and you know something happens. Like in, in in the in the gameplay that they showed, you know she sliced at this thing. Another thing came from behind her, bit her in the neck, and you know it, it was like it looked like two seconds of gameplay and like ten seconds of uh, of a cinematic. You know, and, and, and the way <laughs> yeah. this game kind of goes in, in between that is very impressive. Don't get me wrong, but oh, I yeah. almost feel like the new combat is actually just less combat. Which I'll be honest, again playing Hellblade One, I think the combat is very basic and very and you do a lot, but it there it does it's not complete trash. Like it, it feels kind of okay to slice your sword. Now if they're gonna stop you every five seconds or every two seconds to show you an animation because they're telling a story through combat, that could be a little bit frustrating. Uh, and, and we'll see where that goes specifically. Again, this is something that we'll see once the game comes out, but. As, as it stands, the brand new combat and something that we, you didn't see in the first game and telling a story through the combat, 
all I see there is, oh, so less combat and more of the stuff that they do with, with going in and out of cinematics. So we'll see if that exactly. that holds true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they showed off the environment, character shots, facial animations to demonstrate the high game, the game's high fidelity. I mean, this game does look beautiful, Marco. What do you think about this? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it continues to be absolutely jaw dropping from a visual standpoint. Um, I, I think at this point they are preaching to the choir. I, uh-huh, I believe uh-huh. this game is beautiful. I believe everything I'm going to see in this game is going to be beautiful. Um, it was nice to see some daytime environments as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of, you know, see what kind of detail is going to go into some of these locations. Um, and I, I really like the aesthetics overall. I think that is one thing that clearly they put a lot of time and thought into. And it definitely seems to be paying a dividend uh, for them. Uh, so I'm really glad to see that this game is going to get to the finish line uh, without being downgraded in any, any kind of meaningful way. Because that was my right. biggest concern when we first saw it. I'm like, Ugh, this looks this looks too good to be true. And somehow yeah. they figured out a way to actually uh, maintain the <laughs> level of fidelity they were striving for uh which yeah, by is making the game seven hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at what cost right yeah but yeah, yeah but no all, all seriousness I'm, I'm really really looking forward to the eye candy of this game um you know but like i said before i just hope that there's uh some some brains behind the looks uh, as far as i'm yeah, concerned yeah so we'll see yeah i agree i think this probably is going to end up being probably the most beautiful game the most uh, graphically impressive game that we we've seen this generation yet you know uh, yeah. i think that at least for the xbox it'll be its most visually impressive game that oh, we've far. that we've ever yeah. seen um yeah. and i think it'll also you know probably across the board be that uh so no, again nothing to add here uh, this is the one thing that we knew that they were going to pull off uh and another thing that's very big for the series is its audio and, and they're using binaural audio technologies uh for an immersive 3d audio experience uh especially with Senua's voice i know the last game the, uh, the first game it was only in that, bi- that that binaural uh, audio design was only on voices. Now every sound in the game has the potential to 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 implement that into into it. So that's super interesting. I think that the the sound design in that game is awesome. You know, especially playing with headphones. Uh, so I'm glad that they're striving to do more with that. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's going to be an amazing uh, sound uh, experience. Um, you couple that with the visuals that you're going to see on screen. Uh, I think this is going to epitomize an immersive experience uh, in many ways. Um, I think what I'm hoping for is, uh, you know, we know what they're going to do with what Senua's voice is. You're going to hear them all around her, and that's going to be very immersive. But I, I'm curious to see what else they have up their sleeves with sound trickery to really kind of pull some of the things you're going to be seeing in this game because it looks like a very trippy experience at times as well. Um, yeah, so yeah. how how are they going to integrate those moments into the experience sound wise i'm really curious to see what they do there uh, because they they definitely are kind of one of the, the the leaders in terms of sound design really defining their gaming experiences it doesn't feel like an afterthought to them it, it's a priority and i love that so i'm i'm really really excited to to hear this game just as much as i'm excited to see more of it too yeah well, spoiler alert, this is the only game that got an official date uh, launching May 21st. It's digital only uh, and launching at a interesting price of $49.99. What are your takeaways from, from all this? Um, 
as far as the release date is concerned, I'm glad I'll be playing it sooner than later. That's, right. you know, again, the wait has been grueling, so I, I'm, you know, I'm ready. I think I speak for many people when I say we're all ready. The digital only thing, I I can go either way. It it doesn't affect me as someone who who will be playing this via Game Pass, but I I hear I hear what people are saying, and I yeah, think yeah, yeah. that even though I'm not particularly a physical disc, you know, aficionado for lack of a better term, I understand the frustration at this point that those people who who really really champion ownership of of their games don't have an opportunity to do that here i think it is annoying i get where they're coming from and for xbox to do this uh i'm 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 kind of shocked i really am because i guess in my head this was going to be the big triple a bomb coming out in 2024 um that, you know, I'm not saying it was going to be a God of War killer or anything like that, but I guess I just had it as something else in my head than it was in reality. And to find out it's a budget title and it's not even going to be, have a physical release, it just, as much as I hate to say it cheapened the game a little bit to me, I think that's what it's kind of doing right now. Yeah. Um, and I'll get over it if the game ends up being fun and worthwhile. I'm not going to hold that over the game forever. But right now, just as far as how it hit me in terms of this direct, it did kind of make me go, uh, you know, so. Yeah. And, and optically, it looks bad because it's like Xbox's first huge uh, first party release game. And it's not and it's like what akin to an Xbox Live arcade game. Like, uh, what are we doing here? You know, it just it just <laughs> feels like uh, it. it, it with, with what they said with the narrative being short uh, and in the length of the game and the price point coming together, it does feel like they're trying to walk back some things, man. And that, that to me, that just feels, it just feels off here. Um, but yeah, Marco, what are your kind of final thoughts about Senua Saga Hellblade 2? Like what, after everything you saw, uh, how, how do you feel about the game? Are you more positive, less positive? What's up, man? Yeah, I mean, look, this went from being third on my most anticipated list of games for 2024 to falling out of my top 10 completely. Um, I'm still looking forward to playing the game, but I'm not going to lie. I wanted something bigger and, and better. And instead, I feel like I got a budget title. Um, and I guess it's just kind of stigmatizing the game in my in my mind's eye right now. Like, you know, is it, if it's just going to be more of the same from the first game, but prettier... Um, I guess then that falls grossly short of what I was hoping this could be as far as an evolution for the franchise, especially considering the very lengthy development time. I mean, this thing's been in development since 2017. That's crazy that that's this is what we're getting as a result of all that work. And, you know, look, it's going to take more than a bunch of close up shots of a frantic faced Senua to impress me at this point. I know the visuals are good. If this game is just going to kind of flaunt that to a point of being excessive and look at how great this looks and listen to how great this sounds and there's not a lot of, like I said, brains behind the looks, yeah. then um, there's there's serious potential for this being a, one of the bigger disappointments for me. But, um, you know, I, I know that Ninja Theory is not a bad studio. I'm just so perplexed at this project now, yeah. and I, I can't shake that at the moment. Um, yeah. I'm still looking forward to playing it. I'll be there day one to try it out, but it's just not what I thought it would be, and it's it's bothering me a bit. I won't lie. Yeah, 
I agree. I, ha- I have to kind of in my head reconcile what I thought this was going to be as opposed to what it is going to be. I'm glad yeah. that it's not God of War, right? I- I'm glad that it's not them trying to do their version of that. I- in a way, I'm happy that they're sticking to kind of like what this game is known for. And in that way, I understand why this game isn't lo- longer than eight hours because not for nothing, but a 20 hour game with, with these voices in your head and, and just kind of like, just it's, it's really hard to watch sometimes. And especially with the first game, the things that she's going through, I get that. But again, uh, that's not what was promised. That's not what was said. You know, that's not, that's not at all what they were trying to, 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 to go for here. And so it just feels like, like I said, at the top of this is that I feel like they, they, they've taken back some things and they've, they've kind of, uh, recontextualized the entire message of what this game was going to be as in what it is going to be. Um, I, I'm, I'm still excited for it. I think for me, it's going to end up if it's as good as I think it's going to be, it's still going to end up being like a game that I, I really enjoy, uh, uh, appreciate the fact that I went through that experience and, 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 uh, cause I do like what they're doing with, with the story and whatnot, but we're gonna have to see because i mean it has to do more like marco said than just look pretty uh you're gonna have to do some gameplay stuff you're gonna have to do some story stuff to really kind of make it stick out and and right now it just looks like hey remember that one game we did you guys like that this is that game but even better you know in terms yeah. of visually uh it's like it's not yeah. great for me um yeah. yeah i agree with you man i agree pablo before we do the the big one why don't we do the the like the other miscellaneous stuff first if that's cool with you yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. Okay. Uh, yeah, so w- w- let's move in here to uh, the surprise guest of the night uh, of the development <laughs> uh, developer direct, which was Square Enix. Square Enix showed up here and had a surprise cameo appearance to show off Visions of Mana, uh, which is coming in the summer of this year. Uh, what did you think about Square Enix showing up here, and what did you think about Visions of Mana? Yeah, so you know, I I I think this part of the show was less about visions of mana and more about flaunting this new relationship that Xbox has with Square oh, yeah. Enix. Um, and if that was the objective, then fine. But I think it kind of brought in like a weird dichotomy of Xbox flaunting this relationship, but not really answering the biggest question about this relationship, which is really the future of Final Fantasy, if we're being honest. Not really Visions of Mana. No one was going, man, are they going to drop Visions of Mana on this thing? Like, that's just not what was happening. Especially since that was already on the website. You could tell it was already coming to Xbox. Yeah. So I I think it just kind of made the game's presence on the show feel oddly out of place to me it was almost like square was throwing them a bone it's like square was drip feeding square's kind of drip feeding xbox jrpg content while xbox is sort of you know putting it on this pedestal as if the floodgates have opened and they yeah yeah. we really don't know if that's happening yet so uh, i think if the goal was to generate excitement about xbox and square enix working together um I don't know if starting with a niche franchise that most casuals don't know about was the best way to do it. Um, so that's yeah. my perspective on on that part of it. As far as the, the game itself, I think it looks cool. Um, yeah. It has a lot in common visually with Dragon Quest more than I thought it would. Um, and I, I, I have to be honest, I might be in the minority here. I don't love the art style very much for that. Um, it looks... I don't mind that kind of palette or the, you know, the way they use color or the way they use like that pseudo cell shading kind of a style. Um, it, it just doesn't appeal to me. 
I'll be honest. Yeah. But I can understand why people look at it and go, wow, that's beautiful. So I think the game looks cool. I what I what I liked the most from what I saw was the gameplay. Yeah, um, that was cool. But it it but there are elements of what I saw um gameplay wise that looked a little boilerplate for an action RPG now. So while I'm really glad to see this franchise is, has got a new lease on life and it's getting some shine, especially on a developer direct by Xbox, um, I do have some concerns that it's just kind of um, a bit derivative. Um, and maybe it's just the art style that's kind of pushing it uh, over the edge and making it feel like it's a unique thing. But I'm still interested to play it. Um, I was really hoping it'd be on Game Pass, though, dude. I was yeah. so bummed out. That would have been such a nice pickup. But, um, well, you, you know, me- hey. We'll see, because I mean, I, I know when they announced all, all their partnerships with Sega, uh, the the Yakuza games weren't originally announced for Game Pass, and they eventually did come out. Mm-hmm. So there still could be a uh, room for that. But uh, uh, I'll start with trial with the Visions of Mana. Sorry, uh, I think Visions of Mana look good. I think it's kind of like an, a, a small evolution of what they were doing with like Secrets and Trials of Mana. So that that didn't completely take me by surprise. I I think the the combat and all that looked really cool um it, it kind of reminded me of the nino kuni combat nino kuni 2 actually uh which i, I really enjoyed that combat there so i, I love action rpgs um so I, i'm really happy that this game uh looks like it's taking the combat part of it and, and really uh putting a lot into that and there's a lot of stuff happening here uh in terms of that so i'm i'm excited to 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 see uh, how this game reviews and, and potentially uh you know uh, pick it up and play it myself but i agree with you in terms of of, of having Square Enix here, it did feel a little out of place. You know, this is a first party kind of thing, and, and having a a, a, comp- a different a third party show up, a third party who who in the past has pretty much just disregarded Xbox in every which way possible. You know, feeding them Final Fantasy fourteen, and people are losing their mind over it. But that's that's an old ass game, and I I, yeah. I know people enjoy it, and it's good it's coming out to the series. But the fact that that wasn't even here just kind of it, it, it just felt all right. If Square if Square Enix is going to be here, show the game that Square Enix is known for, like, 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 where's Final Fantasy VII remake on Xbox, right? Like, if you're really in bed with them, let's get the goods, you know, let's get the goods. And right now, it just feels like you're the you're the you're the side bitch. Yeah, Xbox is the side <laughs> bitch. And Xbox is the side bitch that thinks they're gonna be the wife uh, in this scenario. <laughs> That's what it feels like to me. Um, but yeah, moving on here, uh, they also showed our history untold was, uh, uh, which is like a new alternative history grand 4x strategy game coming to PC this year. Um, real quick, uh, let me jump in here because I don't got much to say. I don't know why this game was here. I'm glad that the developer got some shine. But this is such a deep. This is a hardcore 4x strategy players' heart. Like that. This is their dream. Their wet dream. And they showed it off here. And they had they had as much time as everybody else. And and and, and people who like these kind of games, I sure loved it. I was I was day. I was I was actually falling asleep. And and not. It's just because it just completely stopped the entire momentum of, of, of the show for me. Uh, but I'm glad that this game exists for people who love it. I just think it's super weird that they, it was on this developer direct. I don't think this is the place you want to show that. Uh, it's not. You're not convincing anybody to now pl- try that game. Honestly, if you if you're not a fan of these games, you didn't see that and go, oh, super complicated uh, strategy. <laughs> Why don't I ever play these kinds of games? Like you know. But I I I I thought though I will say this. I thought they were the most endearing de- developers in terms of like how they showed everything off. They did a really good job with that presentation. If they're the ones that put that together themselves, 
I, I think that they did the best job of the night in terms of showing every aspect of the game, even though every aspect of the game was a snooze fest. Um, Marco, how about you? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, when you think about what this developer direct needed to accomplish for Xbox based on kind of what we know about how they're performing with sales and mind share, um, this really did stick out like a sore thumb. It really did. Uh, it, it really shouldn't have been here. Um, I'm glad that Xbox champions games and genres like this, um, because I think that's a great look in terms of attracting, you know, very hardcore audiences to um, their games or what they're, you know, partnering up with, what studios with or publishing. Uh, it's all great to see, but I don't want to see it here. You know, I really felt like that slot could have been better served, either spending more time showing us the other games in a, you know, in a deeper dive or kind of just subbing it out with something else that we wanted to see that maybe isn't coming this year, but maybe a next year thing. You know, yeah. I would have loved to have seen an update about Fable. I would have loved to have seen South of Midnight here. Um, you know, I think there just was more value in putting one of those other games in this slot than than this one, well, um, so I agree. I agree. And not to mention, like we're, we're there, this is the the slate for the Xbox Series X, and let's show a PC only game. Um, yeah, that's that weird. Was, that's weird. Um, and then lastly, uh, a little interesting thing here: um, uh, the words "Quake 6" was shown on Machine Games' whiteboard during one of the shots of their studio which obviously those things are meticulously put together that was definitely an easter egg what do you think man are they working on are they working on quake 6 it's interesting because i thought it was going to be uh it software doing this yeah. and they were going to put doom on hold and do this instead maybe that's not true uh and maybe they're actually passing this off to machine games and that really <sighs> puts certain things in perspective about how machine games is going to be leveraged in the future in a way that I'm not super excited about. I think it's safe to say that if the next game we're going to be talking about is successful, then that's going to stay on their menu from here on. If they're going to be doing Quake 6 along with that, where does that leave Wolfenstein now? Does Wolfenstein go back to Ugh. being dormant again like they can only juggle so many different projects they're not that huge of a studio right i think they're amazingly talented but i would hate to see wolfenstein be um you know cut at you know just so that quake 6 can exist i i i'll be honest with you i don't have an affinity for quake so maybe Same. there's a little bit of bias towards wolfenstein in this situation um, I can understand why it would be them because of what they did to revitalize Wolfenstein. Maybe they can do the same thing with Quake. And hey, maybe I would love it. But I would just prefer, at the very least, give them the opportunity to make Wolfenstein 3, tie things up, end that trilogy. Then you can move on and start doing this. Um, that's what I would prefer. Yeah. But I'm a little concerned they're not going to get that chance now. Uh, and that kind of bothers me, if, if, if I that's what is going to happen. Yeah, I um I hope that this is just an Easter egg amongst the 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 whole Bethesda umbrella of of, of studios, and that it is working on Quake Six for that ex exact same reason. I I I want their next game to be Wolfenstein Three. My my bias is all out there, man. That's what I want. That's what I think they should work on. Um, yeah. They need to finish that trilogy. Those games are so incredibly w well done, and I want more of that. And honestly. 
Uh, it did that with Doom. They revitalized Doom. They can do that with Quake. That's more in their DNA, I feel like, unless they're trying to do something completely different uh, or unless, you know, I think that the other thing could be is like Xbox is like, no, we need the next Doom ASAP. Let's move Quake over to somebody else who wants to work on it. Hopefully that's not the case because uh, I like you, I don't really have uh, any kind of nostalgia or affinity for Quake series and in the slightest, uh, but we'll see what, what this kind of shakes up to be. So, uh, Marco, they went ahead and they, 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 they closed out the show with what we thought they were going to close it out with, and that's Indiana Jones, now officially known as Indiana Jones and the Great Circle Jerk. No, the Great Circle. Um, uh, let's, let's dive right into it. And you know what's thing. sad is I, I, I knew you were going to make that joke. I knew it was going to happen. When I, t- not a- I literally typed it in the docket, and I'm like, he's going he's gonna to say Circle Jerk at some point in this episode. I... You, I'm not. I'm not a fan of the well. name. Not a fan of the nickname. Uh, but let's go in and talk about uh, some aspects of Indiana Jones. Uh, it takes place in between the events of Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Last Crusade. Marco, are you? Uh, have you watched those films? Uh, I, I have, um, albeit a very long time ago. So, f- frankly, I'm going to have to kind of brush up before yeah, I play absolutely. this game. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm cool with that. Um, I thought we were going to get more of an origin story for Indy to kind of introduce him to new demographics and whatnot, maybe a younger Indy. Um, but it seems like, you know, they wanted to kind of follow the chronological order of the movies and kind of wedge this in between two of them. Um, it sounds, I mean, Todd Howard talking about this game, like I had an idea about, uh, what Indiana Jones was going to be. And it just seems like the idea was, I want to make the most inoffensive Indiana Jones game possible. Yeah, <laughs> like, the way he talked about it was like, oh, he has something uh, an, something new. And that would be, yeah. for me, two aside. Either you do a really young Indiana Jones or you do like a really old Indiana Jones, you know? Yeah, that's what I thought. And it was like, no, we're just going to play it extremely safe. Now, look, I don't think that's a bad thing. Right, uh, right, right. It, based on how the movies have been very... Uh, critically panned, uh, the more recent ones in particular. The last two, um, yeah. I, I understand that playing it safe is probably the best bet right now um, <laughs> to, to really draw that nostalgia out of the franchise that's kind of maybe been lost uh, in recent years. Um, so I think it was ultimately the right call. I just think that they kind of made it seem like they were doing more to it than what they really yeah. were doing to it. Yeah, I I agree, but I it's kind of like comfort food where the game and everything they oh, showed yeah, yeah. definitely feels like it would live in between those two films. Uh, I think that they oh, no captured doubt. yeah they captured the Indiana Jones likeness not only in, in 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 the character but like just the entire vibe of the series in a way that I really wasn't expecting and I I'm I, I'm I'm liking so far what they showed um, and. Speaking of that, uh, let's move into some more specifics here. Uh, Harrison Ford's likeness, they they got that, so I'm glad they do. Uh, and they have Troy Baker doing a sound-like performance of him. What did you think about Harrison Ford's likeness, and what did you think about Troy Baker's performance? Um, well, I mean, I, I think the likeness part of it kind of leads a little bit into visuals for me. I, yeah. I think overall his character model looks good. Um, and you can definitely tell like, oh, that's, that's Harrison Ford's face. Um, it, the game does look weirdly plasticky though, when it comes to skin and, and the, the facial animations in certain moments looked really, really artificial and weird. Uh, especially when he's doing the squinty eyed grin thing, it looked a little bit, it looked a little bit jarring. 
Uh, so I'm hoping they can kind of smooth that out and make animations look much more natural. Um, I know that Machine Games does not go for the Uncanny Valley type of thing too much. They have a very exaggerated art style. Um, if you've if you've played Wolfenstein games from them, you'll know what I mean. They're, they're bringing a lot of that essence here as well, but I do think there's something kind of not clicking uh, into place just yet. So I'm hoping that the development time they have from here will help kind of iron out some of those things. As far as the voice is concerned, um, it's um, Troy Baker, of course, and uh, Troy Baker is obviously uh, revered and he's in all kinds of big roles in, in the voice acting space. I don't mind him doing this performance. I think he generally sounds pretty good. He's as in the far ballpark. As, you know, yeah. Yeah, he's he's in he's in the realm where it's like, oh, that does kind of sound like a you know a, a younger Harrison Ford, uh, you know, before old man Harrison Ford kind of took over, and you know, it 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 does sound good. It does sound yeah. good. It, he he is slipping out of it a little bit and yes. sounding like Troy Baker in certain instances. Like he which sounds I like think, Joel sometimes. Yeah, he's got to be careful about that. Um, but I I do think that if anybody could really study. Harrison Ford and take it seriously, it would probably be a Troy Baker type. Um, so I think that we're in for probably a good performance from him. Yeah, I I, 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 th- I really like the voice acting Troy Baker brought because there were moments where I'm like, did they get Harrison Ford? And it's like, no, they did. Uh, he doesn't sound like that anymore. And I think it even sounds better than uh, the Dial of Destiny when they went in, in the beginning of that movie, they have a young Harrison Ford. Uh, and that voice that they did there, whatever they did with the AI stuff, sounded okay, but not great. This sounds better than that, which is shocking. Um, I, and, I, and I agree with you about the facial animations. I think that the problem that they're running into here is they have to make this character look like somebody that we all know. Harrison Ford has a very distinct face. And I think when you apply that to a full motion capture and, and him, you know, doing facial animations and doing facial things and, and all that stuff to give him a personality, it tends to feel a little off. Uh, you know, every time that you, you they make games, like sometimes the, the, the main character or characters in the game look like the person that they're playing, but they're able to do some different things where they can actually make it look better. They are unable to do that because they don't want to mess how Harrison Ford looks up at all. But it's kind of giving me vibes from Spider-Man 2. Uh, the the, the uh, Peter Parker's face a little bit there, so that's true. I, yeah. yeah, so I it, it was when they first showed him, it looked a little bit like, ooh, that looks good, but it looks a little weird too. It almost it almost looks like a super high fidelity version of a Telltale game. Uh, a little bit when when they sh- <laughs> when they showed him at first, I was like, oh, is this cartoonish? Yeah. Oh no, it's not. It's just, they're going for there's an eye issue look. too. It's almost the eyes are weird too. Like they're yeah. they're almost too white. They they they, they, look, they almost glow a little bit in cer- in certain scenes. Um, that there's was so much kind of light weird. on this. Yeah, he's they, he's lit to hell. Like every every shot you see, the, he's like has a light source like bl- across his yeah. face. Like they're trying to really show him off. Um, and then I'm um, moving on from that. Uh, we got our answer. Is it first person? Is it is it third person? And it's a little bit of both. It's predominantly in first person, uh, with occasional third person moments, like in cinematics, climbing, zip lining, all that stuff. They do pull the camera back, and you do see Harrison Ford in all his glory and all his indie Indiana Jones getup. What did you think about that? Do you think that's a good way of doing it? Yeah, kind of hotly contested thing in the uh, in the social media sphere, isn't so it? Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Um, I was kind of relieved, honestly, to see yeah. that it's first person because that's that's where machine games thrives. It's what they do, and um, 
to ask them to step outside of that and and out of their comfort zone. I just don't know how well that would have paid off in the end. I mean, I get it. You know, he's an iconic character. His attire is iconic. Everything about him is iconic. And you want to see as much of that as possible. But I think what people are kind of selling short is that Machine Games storytelling style is very much cinematic. So I think you're going to see plenty of of Indiana Jones on screen. I I don't think there's anything to worry about. I feel like a lot of the people making those complaints probably haven't played Wolfenstein and don't know kind of how well they integrate you know cinematics and dialogue into their 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 games so i don't think there's anything to worry about there i i'll even be on i'll go a step further i even felt like the third person moments felt um out of place to me i would have almost preferred not to even have those because there was one moment where he was ziplining down and then jumps off and then attacks a guy below him and the way that it kind of transitioned yeah. from third person to first person looked it, it looked so weird that it was almost like did they like splice that footage that way? But they didn't. So I I would even go as far as to say I kind of wish they would have just committed full stop to first person person. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but I kind of like that they show him off a little bit because like you said he's so iconic, and I get vibes of like Escape from Butcher Bay for that uh, Xbox game that came out uh, so many years ago. I a lot of those vibes in this game uh, as well. Uh, so I I do like that they did that, um, but I am also very happy it's first it's first person. Look, I mean. You want the development team working on the game to do the best job that they possibly can, and that's what Machine Games does. They they do narrative-driven, action-adventure, first-person games, and that's exactly what Indiana Jones is to to a T. Like it's 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 a narrative-driven action-adventure experience, and that's what exactly what you're getting. But you're getting it through machine games and they're doing it the best way they know how the people complaining about this are the same people who complain about Baldur's Gate 3 should have a a uh, you know a, a a a what do they call that like a, a, a third person uh, real time uh, mechanic mm. you know uh, yeah, everybody yeah. I, I've seen people say every game sh- that's first person should also be have third person uh, like no like let let the developer do the best game that they possibly can uh, and and and, and because if the chances are if it went third person it probably wouldn't work it probably wouldn't they wouldn't it wouldn't do such a good job because that's not what they do um so i'm 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 glad that that they went third person i mean they went first person here i i'm i'm actually like like you i'm relieved that that's what they're doing here so uh kudos to them for yeah. for pulling the trigger on that and and and, and doing that for us because i think that's going to be a great experience um all right it's being described as an adventure game that will focus on exploration environmental puzzles and melee combat uh which you know sounds good to me what did you think marco i know you're not a huge on environmental puzzles i on my notes i wrote marco is going to love this because but but um <laughs> what do you think about in terms of how they showed it what how they talked about it saying how a lot of the environmental puzzles are actually optional um so what yeah. do you think yeah look i mean uh this is one of those moments where, where marco needs to go sit his ass down and shut up because <laughs> to, for me to sit here and say, Oh, I was hoping that Indiana Jones would not have an environmental puzzle would be ridiculous <laughs> of me. It's just baked into this thing. And Absolutely. I, I knew it was going to be there going in. So yeah, I'm, I'm putting my, my own personal preferences to the side here to say it would feel weird if it wasn't there. 
right? Yeah. So I, I, I'm cool with it. Um, what I was most interested in was seeing the environments, seeing a, just a dash of what exploration kind of looks like when they show him kind of in these caves and tunnels and you see the rats scurrying off and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to see a little of that. The melee combat, and this can kind of bleed into the next bullet we have about how he uses the whip for combat yeah. and traversal. I really, really enjoyed seeing that stuff. I think that looks really cool. Um, that's a big, big signature of what makes indie so awesome, and I think that they kind of nailed it. Um, and I really like the way they've sort of used the whip in a um, tasteful way. It's a bit exaggerated. Let's be real. It is. But, yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I, again, I mean, this is like going to be a summer blockbuster kind of game in many ways uh and and you know the whip is going to be a part of kind of pulling all those pieces with traversal and combat together uh sort of being the the gameplay glue uh so to speak and i think that they understood the importance of that and it it shows through pretty well so i'm i'm perfectly satisfied with it um and look if the environmental puzzles are optional hooray for me yeah uh, if they're mandatory you know what look i'll I can deal with it. It's Indiana fucking Jones. Yeah. I get it. So. I, I think that I think it'll be one of those things where the environmental puzzles for the main story will be fairly simple, and then you can go into more in depth to find kind of secrets and, and yeah. kind of really test yeah. your, your your mentals in that aspect. But everything you said, I agree with. I, I you know, Wolfenstein's uh, melee combat uh, combat in general is excellent. And I'm glad that that's, that that they were able to kind of convert that and make it like more Indiana Jones, like you said. That whip is multifaceted; you can do all these things with it. And I like that they implemented that because that's iconic for Indiana Jones. And I also like the fact that while it does, uh, there is melee combat. It's it's not a shooter. This isn't a shooter game. Like they showed the pistol once, and if you guys know Indiana Jones, he'll only use his pistol very seldomly. You know, it's not really, he's not shooting his way out of everything. He's not Nathan Drake, you know, uh, but I, a I, mass I, murderer like Nathan Drake. Yeah. Well, he, he's a, he's a mass murderer, but not at the scale of, of, of Nathan Drake. Um, uh, but yeah, so I do like that, that this isn't just like a pure shooter. Like you're sneaking around, you're making yeah. noises, distractions, all that Oh, I stuff. love the stealth. The stealth. Yeah. I was really happy to see that too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I love all that stuff. So they, I, I like that they implemented so well and it's like, it, it, it just feels at home and that's what's important here that this game feels like machine gun machine games was born to make honestly, because it, it just feels like a perfect kind of marriage between that franchise and what they do. Um, yeah. Uh, it appears to be running on id Tech, and it's similar to the Wolfenstein games, and it's coming sometime in 2024. Marco, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, we kind of set our piece about the characters looking, you know, a little teeny bit less, uh, you know, realistic than, than desired. Um, I think environmentally, though, I'm actually really, really happy with what I saw. Um, lighting so beautiful. Something about, I, I, I think that what makes Indiana Jones films, particularly the 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 classic ones really special is they have this really and i say this in a good way this like scuffy pulpy sort of grainy charm to them mm -hmm. um that i think makes them really unique to watch and what i love about what i saw from this trailer is it feels like they are really trying to capture that and they did it remarkably well um Obviously, there's a lot more that we haven't seen of the game just yet, and it does seem like there's a good amount of visual variety, which is another thing I'm really um, glad for. I'm sure there's going to be jungles, and I'm sure there's going to be, you know, these crypts and these, you know, tunnels and, and, you know, things like that. I know it's coming, but 
I think there's a way to pull that off in a way that feels um, fresh and feels interesting and intriguing. And I think they kind of did a decent job from what I've seen in pulling yep. that into this game. So I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. And as far as the release date goes, being 2024, I, you know, uh, I don't want to tip my hand with what I'm going to say as far as my conclusion about the direct, but I'm very glad it's coming out this year, uh, yeah. to say the least. I, I was definitely thinking more 2025. Uh, but hey, it looks like they were kind of powering through this. And and uh, look, man, I think I think it's time to put some respect on Machine Games' name from here on. If if if, if it comes out and it does what it's supposed to do, but I, yeah. they're workhorses, man. They they are workhorses. Yeah, they're one of those few studios that you see their 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 work and you're like, this is gonna be good. You know, even if mm-hmm. it ends up not being for you, you know, it exactly. is a quality game. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with with everything you said, man. Uh, I I'm really looking forward to this and. Uh, you know, I, 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 I hope that 2024, it's a sooner rather than later, but we will see. But Marco, now that we know that Indiana Jones and, oh, let's talk about the name real quick. Not a fan. You're a fan of the name? I mean, I, I, I'm indifferent to it, honestly. Yeah. I, I'll, I mean, until I know exactly what they're doing with the premise, I mean, they, they, they hint at why it's called that with the circle thing. If I if I see where it goes and I'm like oh well, that's the really cool is, then I'll like it but the premise is uh, the circle in the circumference of the circle it's attached to all these legendary uh, moments in history and within that they have to traverse that in a specific way to unlock this mystery so it, see I it think just, that's cool I think I think, that's, I, I I think conceptually it's cool but I just felt like maybe they could have gone with the, the 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 name in Latin you know the way he said it at first probably could have been a better kind of yeah uh, thing, I mean that would have been a little rough for people to, to pronounce so, yeah, yeah no, I know. I know, can I get Indiana Jones and the maculae circuli yeah, <laughs> no I, I listen I understand the the naming convention thing is very real with marketing and, and the great circle is just it's it's there yeah, yeah. it's easy but but I don't know I, I'm not a fan of, of, of the considering all the Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, the Temple of Doom the Last Crusade kingdoms of the crystal skull the dial of destiny these bombastic names and it's like and this one is the gray circle (laughs) (laughs) when you say that and you when you say it that way and you're shimmying your shoulders while you're doing it yeah you're gonna make anything sound weak (laughs) but it's it's a weak name but uh let's sassy square (laughs) (laughs) so crazy it goes round and round you know um so now that we know it's coming out in 2024 let's go ahead and give it our open credit prediction here Marco, you yes, first. Yes, sir. Uh, look, man, Indy's near and dear to a lot of people. Uh, and I think that whatever uh, Xbox tax there may or may not be, I think will uh, hopefully be offset by the love and adoration that so many people have for this franchise. So my open critic prediction is I'm going with an 88. Oh, um, wow. I, I really... Don't tell me you picked the same no, damn thing. No, I, I, it was very okay. close. Very close. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm going with 88. Um, I think it's going to be reviewed very, very well. I think people are going to really enjoy this game for what it's going to do uh, to you know, really bring in all the elements people love about Indiana Jones uh, in a really cool story that kind of checks all the boxes we would want um, this game to, to, to achieve. I think it's not going to hit the 90s probably because it may not be a super super long game um and maybe uh there there could be some maybe some repetition with the combat 
you know, like, is it all going to be use your whip, pull somebody to yeah, yeah. You, punch them three times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be incumbent upon Machine Games and Todd Howard to make sure that the game is not super, super repetitive. So I'm not, I'm not confident enough about that part of it to go into the 90s. So I'm playing it safe-ish with an 88 yeah i'm actually i i i'm at the same logic but i went 89 just right below 90 um i just feel like uh, if this game does what it's supposed to do and and and, and hits all uh, all the indiana jones stuff well and it brings the 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 polish and the gameplay mechanics and everything that that uh, machine gun machine games is known for i think that they're gonna pull it off i think 89 i know i know new colossus has an 87 on open critic so i think Along those lines, giving it the indie boost, I'm going uh, 89 here uh, for my open critic All right. uh, prediction. Yeah, so man, that 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 that's it on the specifics of the show. Uh, what's your kind of final thoughts and your grade here on on the Xbox Direct uh, Developers Direct? What did you think about it? <sighs> okay. Um, oh God, I feel like I'm gonna go on a rant. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, look, for me, before I give my grade, for me, the developer direct took Xbox one step forward and two steps back, in my opinion. The step forward was Indiana Jones. The two steps back were Avowed and Hellblade 2. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying Avowed or Hellblade 2 are going to be outright bad. In fact, I'm still looking forward to playing both of them, just not as much as before the direct. But I think the thing is like, no one's going to sit here and tell me they're excited that we're only getting seven hours of gameplay from seven years of development with Hellblade 2. And no one's going to sit here and tell me that fighting mini dino goblins with bad AI is what they always wanted Avowed to be. You know, and beyond that, no one's going to tell me that Aura History Untold is exactly what Xbox needed to show a, a hardcore strategy game at a time when they're barely appealing to the masses and barely selling consoles. And no one's going to sit here and tell me that Visions of Mana is the real key to Square's relationship with Xbox and not Final Fantasy. I mean, I, I'm not telling anyone that they shouldn't be excited if they're excited. If this direct did what it needed to do for you, I'm happy about that genuinely. That's not condescending. It's not sarcastic. I really am happy about that. I'm just saying that for me, I feel like I've been in this position before with Xbox. This isn't the first time that we saw Xbox show off a game with bad enemy AI that ended up cheapening the final product. That was Redfall. This isn't the first time we saw Xbox show off a game with gorgeous visuals only to be let down by underwhelming gameplay. That was Halo 5. This isn't the first time where we were shown an Xbox game with player choices and meaningful dialogue options only to end up with stiff and mechanical storytelling that wasn't what they said it would be. And as much as I hate to say it, that was kind of Starfield. So I think at some point, we as Xbox fans have to kind of choose what we want to believe. Do we do we acknowledge the good and the bad of a direct like this, or do we are we going to suspend our disbelief? I mean, do we really want to pretend we won't be disappointed in the fact that you can beat Hellblade 2, a game we waited seven years to play in, in one sitting? Do we really want to pretend like fighting Crayola-colored spiders with bad AI was, <laughs> was, was, was worth the wait? I mean, there's a, there's a fine line between reserving our judgment and then suspending disbelief there's a fine line between 
giving explanations to these things and making excuses for these things. And as an Xbox fan, I just I want to say it's it's not our responsibility as Xbox fans to justify or excuse the ninja theories of the world for how much time they squandered on Hellblade 2. And you don't need to pretend like a seven-hour experience is what you always wanted. I know it's not, yet I'm seeing people warping the argument that, oh, there's nothing wrong with short linear games into this defense mechanism for ninja theory pulling the rug out from under us. That's not what we mean. I, I don't think most rational gamers don't have problems with, with shorter linear games. It's that that's not what was told to our faces in from their own director. Literally, the quote is, quote, it's, it, it's ambition in terms of scale is bigger. I think Hellblade 2 will make Hellblade look like an indie game, end quote. <laughs> and now after they just moved the goalpost out by a mile, we have people in the community claiming it never moved an inch. And that's just not right. So I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that Xbox failed. And I'm damn sure not saying that PlayStation has been any better. All I am saying is what I'm seeing and what I saw to me was ultimately a C-minus showcase comprised of one exciting game, two good games with big caveats now, and two games that may not have had any business being there. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. So you, you said uh, one step forward, two steps back. I, I disagree just slightly. I do feel like Indiana Jones was big enough for it. It was Indiana Jones provided those two steps forward, but the other two games did those two steps back. So Xbox, for me, is exactly where they were at the beginning of the year in terms of how we look at them and, 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 and what we're expecting from them in their future. Uh, it, it, it's coming to a point now, every time Xbox is, 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 is talking about the next year, it's always wait till next year. Oh, we're going to get you next year. Next year is the year, big games. And now we're here and we have Avowed, which is a smaller game. We have Hellblade 2, which is now a smaller game. Indiana Jones is big, it's a massive game, I'm sure it's going to do well for them, but it just feels like they're, they're, they're hyping up next year, and when we get to next year, there's a caveat. There's something wrong. There's something different. Something that, that we didn't expect. And uh, I think when we did the prediction show, I've, I said, I think Xbox needs something else because I do feel Obsidian is making smaller games, and I think Hellblade is going to ultimately be a smaller game. And so when the Dev Direct is here, I'm thinking, they're going to show that game. That fifth game is going to be the additional game that's going to hype everybody up, and the thing that we didn't see coming, and it's Secrets of, Secret of Mana, a game that was already announced, it's not an exclusive, any of those things. It, it, it That was deflating, even though I, I, I want to play Visions of Mana, can't wait to, to get my hands on it, as a whole, as what they're trying to tell you, that the future of Xbox, it was pretty deflating that now you, 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 you sold a short on these two games, you delivered on one, but the next that's it that that that's the slate for this year you know and mm. if they do have something else planned for the summer <clears throat> in terms of uh, of w whether it be south of midnight or anything of that sort well, and and also activision blizzard titles too right we right sure of. sure and, yeah that yeah. we don't know of and i don't know exactly what that's going to be cuz but once we get there and once we see that I, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of obviously change our opinion. We always do. Last year, the beginning of the year, it was like Xbox oh, yeah. is in dire straits. They, they have nothing announced, and the Dev Direct came and did a lot for them. This year, it did not. It kind of just kept them in the same spot that they always were. So uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I I don't know if, if, if we're going to have this conversation at the end of the year where we're going to be like, Xbox killed it. 
have a feeling we're going to be right where we are right now, where it's like, yeah, Avowal was decent, Tenno's Saga uh, Hellblade 2 was okay, and the other domes was great, but, you know, wait for next year, man. Next year it's going to be really good, uh, and, and we'll <laughs> wait for the caveats then. So, But my final grade here, uh, it, it just based, basically, purely off Indiana Jones and my and how I was not hyped for it and now I am. Uh, I'm going C plus uh, on the showcase uh, for the okay uh, for them. Yeah, yeah, that's where nice. I'm at. What do you got? Very good. Yeah, no, it, no, it was it was it was C minus. Yeah, no, no, no. So what 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 else we got on the docket here? Oh no, no. I think that's gonna be I think that's gonna be uh, our, our hit points this week. So all right, uh, we're gonna move right into the main event here. But before we do that, uh, look, if you enjoyed that conversation, we we do that all the time. It's how we roll. Uh, unbiased coverage. We're, we're, we're fair. We call it down the middle. We call it how we see it. Uh, you might not agree with all of our opinions, but at least you can trust that we're not coming at this from any kind of biased or hate engagement driven standpoint. Uh, and that's what cool down time is all about. So if that is something that resonates with you, we would love it if you could subscribe to our podcast right now, if you haven't already done so. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google other streaming services. We even put up audio versions of the show on YouTube when possible. So look, we are wherever you could possibly want to go for, for gaming uh, discourse, and hopefully you enjoy what we bring to the table. Uh, for those of you who are returning listeners, uh, you know this part of the show is for you. Uh, where are your reviews? Where you been? <laughs> We're looking. We're checking in. Uh, and look, we, uh, we, we, we say that kind of in jest, but in all seriousness, uh, you leaving a five-star review uh, means the world to us. Uh, so if you can take some time, depending on wherever you're listening to us from, if there is a review function there, uh, punch in five stars. If you're so inclined, say a few nice things. It really goes a long way. I'm telling you, it does. And it would mean the world to us. So look. We have lots more to talk about in the next segment, so let's dive right into the main event of the show that we call the Checkpoint Chat. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, man. The fan favorite segment has returned once again because, Pablo, we got to do it every once in a while. We got to expose the biggest lies that gamers keep on telling themselves, uh, and people are already up to no good in 2024, so... Uh, <laughs> The two of us are going to trigger some of our listeners with 10 sobering truths that you might not want to hear as far as delusional shit that gamers always say. Uh, it might get a little messy, but don't take it personal. We're just having fun with it, but we are going to be honest. And if some of these apply to you, we don't mean any hate. We're just, we got to call some things out as we see it. So uh, we've each come up with five delusional things that gamers say uh we're gonna go round robin and share what those are we're gonna explain why and uh we're gonna get into some of y'all out there who are talking reckless out there <laughs> in social media land and uh in the comments sections of places uh time to take y'all to task so pablo i'm gonna give you the honors of going first with your uh first delusional thing that gamers say yeah my my number one here uh is I'm not sexist, but I can't play a game with a female lead. As a male, I can't get into it. Um, <laughs> oh, God. How how small does your dick have to be to engage in these kinds of conversations? This is that <laughs> delusional 
incel thought process that if a video game has a female lead that automatically that video game is discrediting men somehow like in their small fractured brains they believe that because they aren't female they can't experience a well-crafted and written story led by a woman uh most video games with female leads don't ask you to live vicariously through women uh at all like they're not asking you this is the women experience this is it understand that that's not what they're doing most leads of video game characters are not representation of you they are a character in a story dipships really think that they can relate to master chief that they feel like they're solid snake oh yeah i'm definitely nathan drake i'm definitely the god of war like these characters are constructed by a creative person as the vessel in which they tell their story this whole entire thing that they can't play a game that has a female lead because they're not female is absolutely idiotic because they'll sit there and play skyrim and play as a goddamn lizard that's a fucking dinosaur looking person <laughs> like what are you fucking talking about that's my number one <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not virtue signaling or anything but i'll be honest when i whenever i play an rpg um nine times out of ten i will probably create a female character yeah um i just find that a lot of times Weirdly, I feel like performances are typically better uh, with voice acting for um, female leads. Uh, if you have an option of Cassandra, yeah, Femshep is the standard of that. Uh, other games are like that too for me. Um, I just, I just find it to be more interesting to, and it's, it's kind of a nice change of pace for me as well. Like playing as the dude bro guy all the time just kind of gets a little bit fatiguing for me. So, I actually, I, I enjoy uh, games that have female protagonists, and and I think you know the whole you know the woke agenda kind of you know nonsense that gets sprinkled onto things like this it really just uh you know brings down um you know it really tears down what what i think the artistic intent of a lot of these games yeah. truly are um you know not every game is out there just trying to check all the boxes well we got to have a woman well we got to have a black guy well we got to have a gay person it i think that's the assumption that it's just this like bingo card uh, that it really isn't in actuality. I just think that we're in an era now where more things need to be accounted for than they used to be back in the day. The days of bald space marine man is is over, yeah. and I think people got to get over that. Yeah, it's, it's so. idiotic. If it's not a cis, white, male protagonist, it's automatically woke. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, whack. Um, all right, I got a delusional thing people say, Pablo. My number one is... After a game launches with major issues, people will say, quote, let them cook, end quote. <laughs> Big dog, the game is out. I've been served, I've been served undercooked chicken, my boy. Ooh. This thing is pink in the middle. Let them cook, I don't know bro. if it's salmon, I don't know which one it is, salmonella or some shit like that, Ebola, I don't know. But I can't, I don't want to get sick off this thing. Don't tell me to let these developers cook when they put the game out in a broken, unfinished state. I love Alan Wake 2 to death, but my God, the Defense Force was in full effect when you try to critique one bug that this game had. Well, why are you trashing the game because it has one, one minor bug with lip syncing? Let them cook. They did something big. No one's tearing down that their ambition was, was great. But don't tell me to buy your game and pardon your dust. I don't like that. And I don't like when the community tries to uh, cape for the developers like that. I'm all about supporting developers. I, I even think developers get way more hatred than they deserve. Um, 
way more vitriol than they deserve, way Absolutely. more harassment than they deserve. But do not tell me to hold on and let them cook after I spent full price dollars on a video game that has some type of meaningful issue that is deterring me from having a good time with the game. That is not okay. It is delusional. It's silly. And it is, it is an, it's overly defending developers that really need to be um, held more accountable for letting games launch in that state. So that's my first one. It's simple. If a game, if you tell me a game is ready to be released, I need to be able to play that game. You know, it's that simple. You imagine telling somebody when Cyberpunk came out, let them cook. It took them a year to to finish the goddamn meal. Like, I'm sitting here with my fork and knife with my little bib on, (laughs) salivating, like, ah, for like a year and a half. Get the hell out. Why you have a bib on, man? I'm a messy eater. I'm a messy eater. Are you really, though? For real? Nah. Are you the guy that likes... Okay, I was going to say, because I could see that for you. I could see you being distracted on your phone, and then you got a shirt full of macaroni. No, I'm a fast eater. Uh, but definitely not, oh, okay. not messy. I'd be swallowing my food and it gives me a tummy ache. Uh, all right. <laughs> Another thing Yo. delusional uh, shit gamers say, I don't know. Uh, number two, <laughs> the video game industry will collapse if video game prices increase. Paying more for anything sucks. A price increase across the board for video games will definitely suck. But tell me you don't know what you're talking about without telling me. The video game industry is the fastest growing entertainment business in the world. There's a reason for that. Price increases only stand to benefit uh, the behemoth of the industry. And that's the sad truth. For as much as uh, people like to think that the market isn't big enough for like the PCs, the PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendos of the world, understand this is a $200 billion industry, which is projected to increase by 13%, and there's only four serious players in the entire business. Your options are limited to four. They have a stranglehold on the market and could do with it as they like. But let's not navigate in the what-ifs. Let's just look at the recent examples. Games are now $70. People still buying them. Nintendo said, you know what? Fuck it. Tears of the Kingdom is $70. And people said, all right, I'm going to buy that shit. That's just the lay- That's just the way things are. And then, of course, came, uh, comes the cost of making games. The cost of making game has grown exponentially. Budget for video game rival film budgets. Like, time is money, and it takes almost twice that time to make games now. So, we're seeing some of the most ambitious games running on the most advanced tech. The growth of video games comes at a legit price so if you're telling me that if the industry decides to go to 75 80 dollars that the entire industry will collapse no it won't it won't collapse it's just gonna suck it might some people may not be able to afford the hobby at that point but to say that oh if 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 xbox or playstation increase their games to 70 dollars the the industry will collapse they did that it didn't it has it it's flourished and then to say if they do it again it's gonna collapse it's not gonna collapse guys they're me and Marco on record saying we're, we wouldn't be shocked if Grand Theft Auto 6 comes out at $100 and all you motherfuckers are going to buy it. So don't sit here and say that the game industry is going to collapse. It's not going to collapse. Is it going to suck? Yeah. If, when things are more expensive, they're always going to suck. But the whole the game industry collapse argument is, is null and void. It's bullshit. You guys don't know business. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why... Um you know, it's it's one of the most lucrative mediums of entertainment in the world, and why it's 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 making billions over billions over billions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a reason for all that, and I think that it, a lot of gamers 
are trying to pretend they understand the industry now more than ever, uh, especially hardcore gamers. Everyone wants to think they're an expert. Um, and and um, at the end of the day, you're a consumer that knows things, and that's where the buck stops. It's, it's where the buck stops with us. So I'm not yeah. sitting here being hypocritical. At the end of the day, we're just informed consumers um, when it's all said and done. So there's only so much that you really know um, about where the industry is heading. And so it, this this obsession with the death of the industry, the death of this, the end of that, I think is really starting to get out of hand. The realities of the industry are that it's changing, it's evolving, it's it's heading in different directions, it's growing branches, it's not dying at the root. Right. And, and I think people just need to kind of let the industry go where it's going to go. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But to constantly obsess over death is just... <laughs> It's just ridiculous. That actually leads me into mine, uh, my next one, Pablo, because the next delusional thing I think people say that's full of shit is PlayStation and X or Xbox are going to die. Um, now, granted, a lot of this is fueled by console warriors who have become more and more obsessed with this, this propaganda that there will be no PlayStation 6 or there will be no uh, new Xbox. And they, they typically try to cite these, uh, these reasons based on, you know, um, the, the, this, these data points that they're, that they're hearing about, like, like monthly sales data. Right. Uh, oh, well, Xbox didn't sell a lot of consoles in December. Man, this is the end of the road. There ain't going to be no Xbox after this. Um, or, you know, oh, PlayStation doesn't really make a lot uh, with every unit sold for PlayStation consoles. Well, you can kiss your PS6 dreams goodbye. It, it's just a lot of rhetoric and a lot of propaganda that's being spearheaded by a bunch of delusional console warriors that are trying to really instill a sense of discomfort in the opposition, air quotes, that the end is near. And the reality is, is that PlayStation and Xbox are going to be fine. May their strategies change? Sure. There, there's definitely going to be changes because there's always changes in the industry. You go back 10 years ago, gaming looked much, looked much different. 20 years yeah. ago, gaming looked way different. It, it's just how it goes. This is a fluid industry, and PlayStation and Xbox, and even Nintendo, are always moving and shaking and adapting as they go. Is there a future where there may not be a PlayStation or an Xbox console? Maybe. Maybe, maybe we get to a point in technology where streaming gaming is at such a great place that there's no longer a need for having a home box experience. But uh, if you go look at the sales of how well PlayStation does, how well Nintendo does, and, and, and you know how ambitious Xbox wants to no, be but with sales, it, and even there's then, a demand for consoles. There, are, there is. Xbox still selling 25 million units. You know what I mean? Like it's not yeah. like they sold five; they, they sold twenty. Their bad day is still not a bad day. Yeah, it's, it's just in the context of where they stand with, sure. with PlayStation and Nintendo, it's not great. But they're all doing fine, and they all um, are seeing great potential and possibilities within the industry. So, to piggyback off your your second one, my second one's along the same lines: that the 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 obsession with death and demise is fucking delusional. And I yeah. wish people would just stop it. It's whack. It's so whack. But it really, that's it really what I got. Is. Yeah, no, I agree with Anyways, all that. But you're number you three, talk, delusional. Yeah, you want to talk delusional? Uh, I, 
people who say I'd rather pay full prices for my games than get it from a free online subscription service like Game Pass. You know, you well, know how many not free, but well, it's, yeah, well, a long, uh, online subscription service like Game Pass. You know how many yeah. times I've seen this said. And, and look, I, I don't want to make this about console wars, but I, this is definitely a Sony fanboy uh, line of thinking. It's the ultimate coping mechanism, pretending the we have McDonald's at home French fries are equal to actual McDonald's French fries. Like it's it's not the same thing. Like I don't understand this because it's not like Game Pass locks you out of purchasing games. You can still buy the damn games if you want to. It's not that serious. Uh, and and honestly. I, I think for me, the the whole fact that when it comes to saving money and time, the other side uh, of the toxic console war would rather spend money than to give to Game Pass uh, just on principle alone. I, I this is it. I don't understand this at all. Like, I what if PlayStation had their own Game Pass? It's fine. Like when Stray came out on PS Plus, people were happy about that because they got to play a new game. It's a game that people didn't really uh, talk about, and it was on it was on the service. So I don't know why these uh, fans look at what Game Pass is doing and feel completely different from it. And then they talk about ownership of of, of their games. Oh, I like to own my games. Well, you can own your games on Xbox too. Game Pass is just a service. It doesn't lock you out. Like you don't download a game on Game Pass and now you're locked out from buying it. In fact, most times you can buy that at a discount because Game Pass also offers those discount prices. So the whole notion that people say that they'd rather pay full price game, full price for the games and get it on a service like Game Pass is just a ridiculous notion and it's just them, you know, coping with the realities that their preferred platform doesn't have the equivalent of a Game Pass. And it's, it's a ridiculous mindset to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 like it's like the equivalent of taking someone out to dinner and they keep saying, I don't want spaghetti for dinner. I don't want spaghetti for dinner. And you're like, you don't have to. There's a whole menu of other things you can order. Yeah, but I don't want spaghetti for dinner. I don't want spaghetti yeah. for dinner. Like, okay, okay <laughs> I get it, dude. I get it. It's like, okay, yeah, you don't need to get Game Pass. You don't need to. Well, I'd rather pay full price for my games. Okay, great. Like, there's this weird feeling of like, it's almost like people feel like they're being forced or funneled into Game Pass when they're really yeah. not. It's 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 totally optional. I said earlier, a lot of people are very big on having physical copies of their games. If that's you, then then more power to you. I'm sorry to hear that you know certain games are not coming out physically that you can't buy you know and, and, and own a physical copy of. That does suck for you. Um, so I understand that frustration, but you know, like to each their own. Like, I just don't like when people, you know, kind of use it as like weird gaming virtue signaling of like, yeah. oh, well, I pay, I pay for my games. Well, you know, look, I mean, subscription services are, are for, for very different types of users and you might not be one of them. You might be somebody who has money to throw around. You might not be on a budget like certain, you know, families are that, that might need a service like this to be able to support their passion without breaking the bank. Right. So yeah. like, you know, it, it, there's different strokes for different folks. It's just that this this like snooty air about them where um, it's either, you know, oh, I would never do that. Or it's like this weird stop forcing me to subscribe to Game Pass. <laughs> like, Dog, you're free to go. You're free to go. So, yeah, it's 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 really corny. I get that yeah. for sure. Um, my third thing that uh, I think is outright delusional and this popped up during a lot of Game of the Year. uh deliberations with with quite a few different podcasts and outlets is remakes should not be game of the year contenders i think that is one of the most delusional 
and hypocritical crocks of shit I, I hear on a routine basis. For as much as people bellyache and demand and beg and plead for remakes for this, and I want a remake of that, and oh my god, what if we get a remake of this game? And then you finally get the remake you've always wanted. It turns out to be completely incredible. It does everything you want it to do, and then some. And then when it finally comes time to give that game its flowers for being such an awesome remake, everybody all of a sudden gets really weird towards those remakes. Like, oh, well you don't deserve to be nominated for Game of the Year because you just kind of took something pre-existing and made it again. But that's what you wanted. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's a weird issue where I think people just don't understand the degree of difficulty when it comes to, and I use this, this same analogy when we talked about Resident Evil 4 uh, during the Game of the Year deliberations we had, where it's like you're trying to, you're asking people to take the Mona Lisa and, and modernize it and make it better than the original one. Yep. And that is not easy to do. How modern is too modern? How traditional is too traditional? What constitutes that balance in the first place? That's hard to, for a developer to figure out. Just because they have the old game as a point of reference doesn't, make, doesn't mean making the remake is easy. It makes it ten times harder because if you're trying to live up to, to a game that most people call a masterpiece... Talk about pressure. And for, for these games to come out and the remakes are continuously getting better and better and better, but they keep getting this like this remake tax attached to them when it comes time to celebrate them is just completely unfair. You know, if I if I modernize the Mona Lisa and there's a I don't know, there's no such thing as this, but a painting of the year award <laughs> and I don't contend for that at the last minute, even though I, I made people so happy that I, I actually did the impossible and made the Mona Lisa better, I would be furious. So it, it's just it's just kind of the talking out of both sides of their mouth thing. I want the remakes, but I don't want to celebrate them. I want you to remake my favorite game of all time, but I don't want to give you a Game of the Year nomination. It's really, really unfair, and I think people need to get over it. Remakes are a part of the business now, and they're a part of the business because most of you want them. So if you want them as bad as you do, you should not have a problem celebrating them the way they deserve to be celebrated. So... That's yeah. where I'm at. Remakes, remakes are hard. I mean, I always bring this uh, this example up. Look at Final Fantasy VII, one of the most revered RPGs of all time. They had to go a different way in order to make the remake feel fresh and new because you know they couldn't just do what they did before it just wasn't going to work and they found a way to do that so it's not as easy as copy paste it's not you know resident evil 4 did it and with, with 2 and, and 3 as well but it, it's hard it's hard to make these things marco's example is like all it's perfectly right on it, it is fans of the mona lisa wanting them to, to modernize it and then accomplishing that that's a feat that should be celebrated over and over and over again. And definitely they have their place when it comes to end of the year conversation for game of the year, for sure. All right. So my number four here, um, PlayStation only makes one kind of game. I want to mm. want you all guys to, to listen in here. Camera perspective is not a genre. Uh, just so we're <laughs> clear on that. Okay. <laughs> The third, Why you like this? But, but, but let's 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 break that down a little bit, right? The, when people talk about third-person action adventure game, they are meaning a specific thing. But the third 
first-person action-adventure game is quite literally the biggest, most diverse game uh, genre in all of gaming. The genre is not attached to any specific themes or gameplay mechanics outside of it not being turn-based. There are no narrative touchstones that make it a action-adventure. There are no limitations. It's the one genre you can attach yourself to uh, and to make any diverse kind of games that that's 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 what you do like you can't compare spider-man 2 and the last of us 2 ghost of tsushima with returnal these are not games that are not comparable other than their third person in, in camera perspective the the notion that all Sony does is third-person action adventures, as if this was some sort of uh, slight on them, is 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 absurd. I mean, you have again the likes of one of probably one of the best games of all time, The Last of Us and The Last of Us Two, uh, coming out. That's not comparable to anything that they've done before. They, quite literally, we praise them because they did something so different and 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 something that hasn't been done in any aspect of gaming. But the fact that just because you can look at someone's fucking back is suddenly a, a, a redundancy <laughs> is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous thing. And now I, I talked about PlayStation fans, but Xbox fans, that's your go-to thing. You guys got to do better. You guys can't sit here and be like, yeah, but all they had last year was Spider-Man 2. Really? That that's all one of the fastest. Oh, you mean selling- the fourth highest selling game of the of the year? <laughs> yeah, that one? yeah. And, and, and I Pretty might not good. have been the biggest fan of it, but I can't deny that's a good game. That's a quality ass game. So this whole notion that PlayStation only makes one kind of game is stupid, redundant, lazy. It's lazy. That's the thing that pisses me off. It's such a lazy thing to say because you guys don't have anything better to to to, to do or, or or really bring up. So that's my that's yeah, my number I- four. Yeah, I have a question. What what does The Last of Us have to do with Gran Turismo? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Wait, what? Hold. Oh, okay, 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 fine. What does uh, Ratchet and Clank have in common with uh, Ghost of Tsushima? You can see the backs. Oh. Oh, wait, so they're different. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's not that the catalog is the same. Maybe it's because some of you only play a certain kind of game. And you're projecting your tastes. Yeah, Yeah, you're projecting your tastes over the entire catalog. Um, Yeah, I mean, are there some of their games open world? And, um, you know, does Horizon share some similarities with Ghost of Tsushima? Yeah, it does. Yeah, does God of War have some similarities to The Last of Us? Yeah, it does. But, you know, at, at some point, how does how and where does that become a knock when all they're really doing is the most popular things that are selling the best (laughs) in the industry. Like, are you, are we acting like they're the only company that does this? Yeah. Like they're the only company that puts out over the shoulder action games now. Like it's, they're everywhere. So it like, it's just weird. I mean, I, I think people have gotten a little too comfortable with, um, dunking on playstation because they had a dry year of of first party games last year but y'all better not poke the bear i mean you know we we might not know what they're doing but some of you need to calm down um i I know we're all kind of you know wondering what they're up to but let's not pretend like playstation didn't get to where they are for a reason and it's not just because they make one type of game yeah so could be what's chill i mean what's next uh all Nintendo makes is whimsical, fantastic games. Like what was? I don't, well, yeah. Because all I, cause I, <laughs> cause I see Link and Mario's back. You know, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as they're not making F zeros. Oh, um, yeah. that's a bad game. All right. 
Well, my next one uh, is as follows, Pablo. I find this to be quite delusional. I'm sick of AAA blockbuster games. Oh, my God. Are you? Are you? <laughs> Are you sure? Because, man, I look at that sales chart every month, and boy, do I see a lot of AAA blockbuster games on the top of that list. Now, I'm sure some of you out there are like, oh, well, I'm not one of them. I only like little indie games, and you know, I love supporting the small devs, and I'm, I don't really like the big budget stuff. All right, well, maybe you're the outlier, but... I'm I'm predominantly talking to the the every man or every woman right. gamer. You do love some AAA blockbuster games. You do. You can stop now. You can stop. It, it, I always notice it, particularly around game of the year discussions. It's like people kind of use their lists as like, look how avant garde my tastes in games are. I have, you know, uh, Dragon Ass Juice Twenty Seven as my Ooh, game I like of the that year. Game. You know, that sounds spicy as hell, by the way. It sounds like a bad drink at the bar. 25 but, was better, but 27 is good. <laughs> <laughs> but you get, but like, it, it just yeah. feels like some people kind of prop themselves up as like, well, I am a different breed of a gamer because I didn't, and they'll, and they'll always find like one game that was like really popular uh, in a certain year and go, well, I didn't like that one. Look at me, you know, and it's, it's ridiculous. Like, okay, but you still you still come back for the AAA blockbuster games, and most of you know it. I I I, I agree that sometimes the the gusto around AAA games and the media coverage yeah, can yeah, be a yeah. bit unfair. Where you know, I think AA games deserve to get more shine. I think indie games deserve to get more shine. I get it from a coverage perspective, but we are not going to sit here and act like when you see a developer direct or a PlayStation showcase or a Nintendo direct that half the shit that you're looking forward to the most is considered the AAA experience. You you do like it. You're not sick of it like you say you are. Um, you just maybe need to play other stuff. And, uh, you know, but listen, I just, I, I just think it's a, it's a foolish thing to say because clearly you're buying them. The sales numbers prove it. And it's time to shut your mouth. Marco, we've been playing games for 60 plus years combined uh, in terms of time played. And we've seen it all. We've played it all. And most times the thing we're most excited for is the next AAA game that's about to come out. That's just the facts. It's, it's the game that has the most money behind it. It has it's, it's, it's ambitious. And I can appreciate smaller games. But the reality of the situation is, is when a AAA game is announced and it looks to be like really good. That's the game I'm probably going to be the most excited about. That's just the facts. But yeah, I agree with all that. Yeah. So moving on to my very last thing here. Um, this one is a personal thing of mine that I hate when people say. And that is, man, I remember when video games used to be good. Nostalgia is powerful. You think back on things more fondly. You, you, you take some of those old games and you think they're infallible just because of how they live in your head. And there's nothing wrong with that. But... Like I mentioned before, video games are at the peak of, 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 of their existence. Uh, the industry is at the forefront of visual technology advancement. Creatives are at the top of their game when it comes to writing games. They are constructing narratives that rival 
film and TV shows. You know, game devs are using the past to recreate, improve, grow genres that might have gone stale in the past. Video games used to be good, but they're also still good. In the past few, like the past few years alone, video game experiences have 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 happened that's never been done before. You you look at the immersion of Red Dead Redemption 2. You you look at the at the at the heart-wrenching revenge-filled emotional roller coaster that's the last of us too like i mean tears of the kingdom literally just came out and and it completely changed the way we think about open world games and their environments i can just stay in 2023 and say alan wake 2 the narrative experience that never has i've never f- played a game that took such big swings like that Baldur's gate 3 i mean the immersion of that game is absolutely next level i'm not saying that old games can't hold a candle to new games, but to say I remember when games used to be good as to imply that games aren't good anymore is ridiculous. And those are people that are holding on to that notion because that's when they remember th- the game that they played for the first time. Or maybe they're reminiscing on the fact that's when they played games and they had hair or something. So there's something that, that's bringing it back. But at the end of the day, the whole notion that video games used to be good, they, they're still good. And in fact, they are moving the genre forward, moving the industry forward in ways that those old games could never. If we all we got was Super Mario 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, all the way to 30, never changed at all, we, video games wouldn't exist anymore. I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. That's just the way. They evolved. They've gotten better as time has gone by. And that's something that everybody has to stop, you know, lying about. It's kind of like the same thing with your AAA thing. People want to be like, oh, yeah, no, but old games used to be better. Like, people do that with film. They do it with books. They do it with everything. And then that's not that's not the reality of the situation at all. Yeah, it's a great it's a great point. Um, yeah, I mean, nostalgia is beautiful when it, it, it works in your favor. But I think nostalgia can also um, blind you yeah. uh, in certain respects from really being able to appreciate just how far gaming has come um you know look uh, there's a reason why there is a very large number of retro gamers out there who really just you know they kind of peaked at playstation 2 or something maybe even further back than that and that's just kind of where they they exist and that's that's their lane there's there's a way to perfectly enjoy yourself as a gamer by playing old school stuff only and kind of going no thanks to, to the new things and I, I totally respect that I had a retro kick a couple years ago that I really really loved um, but I I, ju- I just think you're right it's 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 kind of hard-headed and stubborn to constantly be so down on the state of the business I know that things happen in the industry that are not fun I know that we get screwed over sometimes Um, but you look at any industry you look at any form of business that is happening across the board I'm not condoning it I'm just saying that's what it is maybe the industry feels more nefarious now than it did back in its humble beginnings but like you said if, if, if things hadn't moved if things hadn't evolved gaming would have been a fad that would have came and went. And I don't know what we'd all be doing right now with ourselves. So I think we just have to accept the fact, especially as the older contingent, that um, gaming is changing. And maybe there's going to come a day where it changes a little too much for for us to handle. Um, So far, I'm doing fine. Yeah. But maybe that day comes for people at different times. And if it does, then great. But I think that that taking your your discomfort with the with the industry and making it into an argument that 
video games aren't good anymore. I think it's just it, it's it's kind of going overboard. And, and also, pre- it's and pretending that the things that are happening now didn't happen then. Like my mom had to do a, a a payment plan so she could afford to buy me a Mario sixty four because it was like eighty dollars in in nineteen ninety nine. Like it's it's a it, Things that are happening now happened then too. It's just that we didn't have the Twitters and the Instagrams and the inciting reporting, all that bullshit. It's grown and it's gotten worse, absolutely, but it happened before. Everything that we are seeing now is an amplification of what's already happened. So let's let's also be realistic on that point as well. Yeah, too much doom and gloom. Way mm-hmm. too much. Um, my fifth and final delusional thing that gamers say. It's a bit. It's a bit more. Uh, silly and ridiculous than it is serious and that's the people that say that game is trash don't believe me just look at the user reviews <laughs> sorry what the user reviews on metacritic those ones the ones that give people a zero out of ten because there was a black person in it <laughs> or because aloy wasn't pretty enough or because abby's thayangs weren't thayanging enough is that why <laughs> oh, Jesus. is that why i should trust them not the Thayangs, um, but listen, the, the reality is, is that gamers are a very, very fickle, fickle bunch, and user reviews are a hilarious embodiment of that. I mean, if you go and you read some of these negative reviews, it it's damn near comedic at times, like how some gamers honestly think, or if it's not that, it's the way that people use user reviews to kind of rally against the opposing plastic box that they don't like. Like what was happening with, you know, a lot of Xbox games that were kind of getting review bombed for absolutely no reason. Like because because they exist or because it didn't come out on PlayStation or, you know, these very petty reasons that have nothing to do with the makeup of the game. So for people to kind of like reroute you to a user review to say, oh, this validates the fact that this game that I'm talking about is actually garbage is completely silly. Um, I think a lot of people that, that are doing this really don't know. Again, we talk about nuance all the time. It's either goaded or it's trash. It's trash or it's goaded. Yep. And I think that these people seek validation from the 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 worst of places to kind of validate their toxicity to to give it to to legitimize it if it's not them touting their follower count it's them trying to show you what some random idiot said on on a metacritic review about something that made absolutely no difference whatsoever uh in in the grand scheme of things so i just think it's it's um it's one of the weaker arguments I've ever seen people use to it to uh, explain why a game is not up to par, uh, right. and it, it it always it always cracks me up every time. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, people weaponize the user review. I didn't play this game, but it looks bad. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's 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 a yeah. ridiculous. Nobody should be going by user reviews at all, at all. Yeah, I, people on social media will screenshot one and go see. <laughs> like what are you what? proving? See a fucking lunatic? <laughs> oh man, oh, man. people they, out here are wild, bro. They crazy, bro. They're delusional. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. Normally we run this uh, segment back a couple times a year. Uh, people are losing their damn minds in 2024 already. We might have to come back to this uh, maybe in the second half of the year and look Probably. for more things that people are saying that are totally out of pocket. But uh, look, man, that's gonna do it for our checkpoint chat, and that's also. Going to wrap up this week's show. So uh, 
Look, uh, we covered a lot of ground this episode. We hope you enjoyed every minute of it or most of it. Uh, If you did, uh, please be sure to subscribe to us so that you don't miss out on our future episodes. And if you've already subscribed, uh, a review would go a long way in boosting us up the algorithms and getting more people to check out our show just like you did. Uh, But until next time, thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you listening. Enjoy your video games. And we'll see you next week. Take it easy. Bye, bye, baby. Is that a good one? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that new was too quiet. No, no. Bye, ladies and in guys. Place. All right, all right. But you're right. <laughs>